Battle Line Podcast, and uh, you know what? I don't do this often enough, guys, and I'm going to try to for the new listeners out there. I'm Ian Scotto, of course. I'm Conco Chris Toronto. <laughs> and, no, I, I do often forget there are new people checking out every week, and I, I kind of uh, I kind of expect the audience to be up on what we do, but a lot of people aren't, you know. So uh, what we do every week is we really bring on people from all different backgrounds. Every now and again, we do a guest-free show, but – People who are inspirational, whether it's special operations veterans, whether it's musicians like Ted Nugent or De- David Silvera from Corn, um, or actors. Hopefully, we'll get someone like Pablo Schreiber on. Pablo, you better many- get on the show, dude. Quit being a wuss. All right. Yeah, or the ma- the many authors that we have on. But I- I'd say the connecting theme that we always say is people having faith, people getting through different stages of their life and conquering. And and that's really what we do. I think here at battle. Line yeah. We, we don't, and we've, we've had guys that are in the political genre or the media. We've had Alex Jones on the show. We've had Graham out on the show and we always, whether they want to or not, we always try to steer them back to, Hey, what made you become the success, which they are in their own, in their own genres, they're successful. What made you become the success that you are now? And that goes back to motivation. And every one we've had on the common theme, whether you're left, right, indifferent, whether you believe in Christianity, whether you just have spirituality, whether you have another faith that you believe in, uh, whether it's it's Islam or, or Hinduism, it's it's always comes back to believing in yourself and having faith in a higher power and overcoming adversity. Every one that we sat on the show has has had to conquer an obstacle or two or five hundred, but they all have done it. And that's what the difference is with it, with the show, is that we don't want to get into this, the low hanging fruit that's out there, the, the political BS, the, 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 because you can always, and you can always talk about racism on every side of the aisle. You can, we, we don't get into that. It, it's, it's what we may touch on a little bit because of a conversation that goes that route, but we always steer it back to how did you overcome whatever obstacle that was in front of you? And, how did you deal with adversity? What did you do and what what could you advise other people to do that are going through hard times in their life to continue on and in the end be successful? Whatever you and that's how you gauge success. It doesn't have to be money. It can just be happiness in life. So, yeah, very, very well said. I guess we get too arrogant within our own selves. <laughs> no, it, it happens. And, and um, I'll, I'll tell you what made me maybe during the show think of that. But that's why I'm really excited to have Clint Emerson on because he's a guy who's uh, conquered all different obstacles and is yeah. seriously thriving right now. Uh, but before we do, another thing is I often say to you guys, you know about Ned by now, but some of you may not know about Ned by now. Some of you may not have checked it out. So Ned is is really the best CBD out there on the market. And the reason I say that is because they're completely transparent um, and they back everything with research. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of products out there who are mixing all things together and it's not pure clean CBD like they're doing from Paonia, Colorado. And I know for people who are um, suffering from either it's anxiety or sleeplessness, it's really helping them out. I mean, my dad was having uh, some pain and he's not a guy who complains often. And it, Ned CBD helped him out. And I know it's, it's helped you out with all different things. Well, and not just the CBD oil. They've branched out. I, I do the, I take the, uh, the immunity defense, the immunity blend. I do that. And that is tremendous, especially out here in Nebraska when I'm outside running and it's minus, you know, I should say minus three, but it's freaking cold. It's 16, 17 degrees. Then you come into a hot area and you, and you know, in your, your, you, you work out, you understand physical fitness and going from those extreme conditions when you're running and sweating and, and you really do lower your immune system 
before it builds back up from working out or doing intense workouts. And to have that immunity blend helps me stay healthy. I, I haven't been throughout this whole thing. And I travel in can even vassals. I travel everywhere still, even through all this, all this, uh, all this, uh, uh, what, are, what are we calling it? COVID, whatever we're calling it, a hibbity-bibbity virus thing we got going on. But I believe in it and I take it while I'm traveling and I, I haven't been sick one time. Both of, both of us have exactly. had zero sickness for the past year. And I can, I can attribute it to a healthy lifestyle. You know, I don't drink a whole sure. lot. No, it's not, no but, and that, would, that would be true. I mean, it, it would be overstating what, what Ned does, but it's like one, it's one tool in your own tool. It, you know, it's part of that healthy lifestyle. For sure, Immunity. diet, exercise, and supplementation, and having a supplementation, a, a, and a pure supplementation that's actually not just or not just the products that somebody's building up in a lab. It's it's real products growing up on the farm in Peonia, Colorado, Western Colorado. You don't get more pure than that. That's where my grandpa's farm is. I know that area. So yeah, Ned is fantastic, guys, and check out not just their CBD but also all their other products because they, they all work and the body butter works too for inflammation. It's, but it works better than any analgesic I've ever used on sore muscles. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I know that Ned actually just brought on an Ironman athlete. Who's one of the best out there. Maybe we'll get him on the show yeah. at some point, but he, he got sold on the body butter. He was like, this is helping me more than anything out there. So yeah. um, we can't speak more highly of them. If you guys want to check them out um, and actually go to their Instagram now, I don't know how they did it, but they got the, the name on there is Ned. So it's no longer Hello Ned or Meet Ned. It's just, it's just simply Ned. So if you want to follow them and learn more, you just got to go there at Ned on Instagram and try their CBD for yourself. We have a special offer for the podcast audience. Go to helloned.com slash battleline or enter battleline at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash battle line to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Go to their Instagram, follow us, tell them that we sent you at Ned. Thank you, Ned. With that, let's get into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. Battleline Podcast, extremely excited to have Clint Emerson coming on. Um, I have a, t- a ton of things I want to talk about, to be honest. You saw I wrote down, this is, a, this yeah. is a longer prep than usual. But I'll let you start it off because in some, you know, I, I hate that we keep starting with unfortunate news, but it is. Yeah. A friend of yours, Jim Howe, 
has been taken off life support. And I know he's a guy who dressed up as Santa Claus, uh, yeah, connected with yeah. the guys at Forged, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he tremendous individual. Always, he was Santa Claus. He, if you look at a picture of him, he looked like Santa Claus. But again, tremendous individual that, you know, even through the amputations that he had, he, he never, he never felt sorry for himself. He never felt that, you know, it was, he was always a, somebody you could look at him like, man, I, I don't have it that bad, this guy. And look, and he's still out there being a, being a supportive person, not of just veterans, just of, just of humanity. Man. What, what was the reason for the amputations? Uh, you know, I, I, I never got into that with him. I know it wasn't something that was related to combat. I think it was just a health issue. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I try to respect, you know, and, and sometimes I ask yeah. my curiosity gets the best of me. Um, but I never did ask brother. And, and no, and, and I, it, it could be, it could be awkward for sure. It, and it, it, sometimes I do at times, if, if it's a combat related, some reason I feel like I can ask where if it's not, I, and honestly, after I started talking to him, I didn't even realize he had amputations. <laughs> you just do, you don't, you focus so much on his energy and his, his outlook on life and, and him being Santa Claus, really, you're like, man, this guy's amazing that, yeah, I just never asked. Not, and I'm not saying it's rude, right? Because sometimes you get your curiosity gets the best. Of you. That's why I love kids. Kids aren't afraid to, they're just going to ask, Hey, they're going to figure out what happened. What'd you do? But, um, yeah, I, I think it was more of me just starting to talk to him and then I just didn't even pay attention to it. And, um, but I, whatever it is and whatever it was, it, it really didn't hold him back in his outlook on life. Tremendous individual. And, and guys, go to our Battleline podcast page or the Real 14th Hour, which is he helped with our foundation at a fundraiser, which was amazing. Uh, and then also um, on the Battleline tactical pages, you know, you'll get to see, see Jim and, and you can read about his story as well. And Ford Leather as well. He's just tremendous and makes all those crazy awesome leather things that we have. And, and he was, that's how I got to know Mr. Heath. So Heath have more on him as well. Yes. Yeah, so a rest in peace to yeah. an extraordinary man. Um, all right. I'm going to get into something lighter that I, I thought was interesting. And uh, you're kind of up on it a little bit. You just checked it out, but basically I've been hearing all about this clubhouse app. It's so oh. I've been hearing about it from people in the, and I'm, they're not a sponsor guys. This is just me being interested. Uh, Cause I mean, I'd love that as a sponsor one day, maybe, but um, <laughs> I, I'm hearing people in like the Bitcoin cryptocurrency field, talk about it. Even people in comedy and entertainment are talking about this thing. And uh, yes, even people in the influencer realm, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> it is very influencer driven, but um. I just was hearing interesting things. So I wanted to get on this thing. I downloaded the app and it's invite only. And I'm like, oh, I want to see what the deal is. So I go on Twitter and I want, I'm, it's, it's like a lot of bigger names on here from what I've seen. It's like Mark Cuban and all these different people who uh, are on this originally, how it just started. So I go on Twitter and I'm wondering if anyone I know, cause I know people at Sirius and all that are, you know, are on there and can send me an invite. Uh, and I start getting DMS that are, that are like, I have an invite, but, you know, send me $50 or something. I'm like, I'm not paying <laughs> to get on some app. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just trying to scrambling, trying to find someone to get on here just out of curiosity. And suddenly I get a te- I get an invite from a guy I haven't talked to in ages. Um, and it is Steve Wilson, who used to run the podcast division at Apple, who I got a chance to meet with when I was at my previous podcast, um, who, who like really gave us some huge pointers. So I get on there. And I'm just blown away by how interesting it is because you know me, I'm not a big social media guy. I'm really not, but this is way different than any of the other stuff because this is not like you posting pictures or you just writing about things. These are 
chat rooms where you could talk to people about different major ways to uh, earn money, grow your business. So you could be in a chat room and suddenly you're talking to Mark Cuban. Like Mark Cuban is on there probably right now doing a uh, conference of some sort that you could jump in there. So the cool thing is it's very much in the opening stages because there's only a few people on there. Like no one has more than, with a rare exception, no one has more than maybe 10,000 followers at the very most, at the very top. Um, and I I just see this thing being huge. I think it's very innovative. It's the first social media. It's kind of like LinkedIn because yeah. it's more business-oriented. Um, and, and actually, that's why I was saying earlier on the podcast that I don't do enough to introduce what we do because Steve Wilson actually was one of the people who said that during uh, one of the talks he was giving in that people were asking, how do I chart on, on Apple Podcasts? How do I grow my show? And he said, well, you know, if your show is starting with just an ad read for something, a lot of people are, you know, they're not going to be interested and engaged. And as much as I know about this whole field, honestly, there's way more that I don't know. And I was like, that makes sense, man. I got to do a better job of engaging the people who are clicking on this for the first time and giving them an idea of what we do. And uh, the other thing I'll say is, look, I am not a financial guy. I know nothing about stocks. Don't take my advice, <laughs> you know, but, but look, just check out the stock. I'll leave it at that. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I see it. I see this being in the really early stages. This is going to be like people who talked about Bitcoin years ago. Maybe not that huge, but I think this is the early stages of something very big and it piqued my interest. Well, and I got, I just, bro, I just downloaded what yesterday. So I don't, yeah. have, a, I don't have a clue. And with most social media, especially those that have followed me over the years, know I'm probably the last person that gets involved with social media. I, I do it when I have But, to. but I am too. I'm not but, like, remember when Parler was out and all that? Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I, I was on there, but I wasn't excited about it. There was nothing interesting about it to me. <clears throat> this is unlike anything else. Well, I've as seen as long as it stays nice. <laughs> What's the better word for it? As long as it stays where it is more of a, to me, that, and honestly, with you talking about it like that, it sounds to me like something LinkedIn could have done with a chat yeah. room and they, they didn't do it. Um, so they missed, they missed their window there. So, and that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a networking, but also uh, you're getting subject matter experts and you're getting, honestly, it sounds like for me right now, and I'm sure that's going to change because there's all about making money, but you're getting free advice from subject matter experts on how to run a business in a particular area. Or like you said, the, the podcast stuff. You're getting free advice from, and I don't know Steve Wilson, somebody, yeah. somebody that's in it. Where you know, I guarantee you, down the road they're probably going to start charging for stuff like that. But right now, get it part, partake in it. Um, if you can get on, the if whole you can get on, I think yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a, yeah. but even if you can't get on, maybe look into the stock. Not giving anyone hey, advice, hey, hey, but hey, check it out. <laughs> what, what did I say? You always take what I say on my text. And I don't, you hate me if you want, guys. But this oh, yeah, is, yeah. No, I don't you always that. take advice from a Jewish individual about finances. If you don't, you're but I, To be fair, though, I am not like a Jewish guy who works in Wall Street. <laughs> I, know. I, I know nothing about oh, finances. Hey, that's a great oh. segue into the Wall Street stuff that we want. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. That's funny. Let's talk about <laughs> it that. Me of, it reminded me of the, of the what's, what, trading places, dude. When I read it, I'm like, holy crap, this is – this is the uh, Duke and Duke. This is the Duke and Duke trying to corner the market on, with the with the with the Robin Hood and all that other. Oh, yeah, man. with GameStop, it, it, BlackBerry, AMC, which I didn't even know BlackBerry was still a stock. I know I didn't know BlackBerry <laughs> still existed, and this stock is just surging. 
And it's these people on Reddit and you turn on CNBC and commentators are crying and they're like, this, this is doing, whether you guys um, agree with the politics of it or not, this is doing way more damage than what Occupy Wall Street did. Yeah. And it's a little bit more of a different, this is a little bit more libertarian and Occupy Wall Street was a little bit more hard left. Yeah. But the goal is the same. These people feel like the game is rigged against them. And they're like, we're going to fix the game in our favor. And a lot of people are making money. But now these companies like Robinhood are saying, like, not so fast. You're manipulating the market. And these people rightfully are saying, isn't these, isn't this what these Wall Street guys exactly? Isn't what politicians do with their insider knowledge when they dump stocks right before a crash? I mean, it's the same. To me, it's hey, the rules are the rules, man. If Eddie Murphy and Dan Dan Aykroyd want to corner the market because they got the the frozen concentrated orange juice inside scoop on them, and hey, let them let them do it. But I I, I understand where it's coming from as car causing a volatile market because there are certain certain uh, stocks that have the government's never going to let fail. I mean, they can't. The, the, like Boeing and and. And who's another big, big airline producer? But Boeing's one that pops off the top sure. of my head. But still, though, rules are rules. I don't think they I'm looking at it and I'm not a I, you know, I'm not a Wall Street guy either. I don't think they broke any rules. They just they played the system. They played the game like everybody on Wall Street does, like politicians do on yep. a constant regular when you see all of a sudden them grab a stock or dump a stock when it how the, the, the people on both sides of the aisle exactly right before COVID hit. Exactly. 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 So, you know, complain and whine all you want. Um, the rules are the rules. They're set up for that. And they played the rules. And guess what? Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy beat you on this one, guys. So you can cry about all you, all you want. And you know what? Honestly, I, I have I have stocks. I have some I'm a retirement fan. I don't put a ton into it because of shit like this. I, I But um, but I have it. And yeah, th- this could hurt my retirement by what they're doing. It could because it, it could make the, the market so volatile that people just quit investing or money keeps going into the companies that I'm investing in because they're putting it in somewhere else. But bottom line is, too, is they didn't break any rules. They played the game. But did you see? Uh, so the current secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, is the one who's going to look into this. But it was found out that Janet Yellen got paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars by Robin Hood to give a talk. Shocker. So who's she gonna who's she gonna favor? The little guy or yeah. Robin Hood? And, and believe me, and I'm well, it shouldn't I, be called Robin Hood. It shouldn't it should be it's the other way around. I so when I when I read Robin Hood, I thought they were calling those guys Robin Hood. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, and but Bro, it, the system is so so rigged in the face. It is. It's so it's just like everything else within D.C. or big government or big money, which is big government. Um, it, it's rigged in the favor of the big guy. It is. It always is. And the see guys like that. And it was awesome how they did it. I just like man, this, that's crazy. Utilizing social media is outstanding, and it means that the old the all the old guys that are in the systems, all the old guys out there that are doing it the old way. Um, yeah, you better recognize, you better get your shit together and start learning the new ways because these these kids, which we were kids once too, and we manipulated things out in our favor when we could, utilizing the system, not so much in stocks because I wasn't that smart to do it that way, but we didn't have the social media aspect either. But there, you better figure out the new ways of doing things because if not, the younger generation coming up is going to, and, and they're going to win because they know the social media, just like they know how to, like you said, you're already learning Clubhouse. I'm sure that would be part of that down the road where that influences markets, just like Facebook does now 
or Twitter does now, which it did when it first came out. It was like, oh, this is horseshit. What is this? Uh, I can post yeah. pictures. I can post dick pics on social media. This is like, you know, now it's like, holy it was, crap. It was originally, I mean, if people saw the social media, it was originally just like Mark Zuckerberg couldn't get yeah. a date. And he wants to like learn about <laughs> learn these about, girls. It was like MySpace. That was a dating app. But that was a precursor to what Facebook went to. Because let's take it to the yeah, next the, level. The original was, I remember when I interviewed Adam Kokesh, who's a Marine, very controversial guy, but interesting guy. But he was saying like the original for him was hot or not. He's like, hot or not. With, no. with my shirt off and people would vote hot or not. That was the original. I remember that. Oh my gosh. But you know, bottom line is, 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 Hey, guess you got to taste your own medicine and politicians need that. But people, again, you got to stop thinking that there's the integrity in DC and I, they're, they're going to rationalize it. I think they think that, that they just, they're going to do the right thing because they run the government. They really believe in the people. And, and I, if you haven't seen that that is not the case, even from when 9-11-2012 happened, when people died and, and they wanted to lie about it because it could have affected an election. If you haven't seen it since then, and even before that, but I'll, I'll use that as, as when I started to realize it, when I, when I was working for the government. If you haven't realized it by now, this should be an eye opener. Again, hey, they're, they're not on our side. All right. Do what you have to do. Do what you have to do live your life also but hey man if you if you if you found a way to 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 i don't want to dick the system but you found a way to no, make legally yeah legal illegally and it's legal if you found if you're following the rules and you did it and you 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 won they won the lottery you won that that trophy by the rules so be it you did guess what old guys i guess you're gonna have to have to change the rules which is what they're doing or you're gonna have to learn the game the new game and see what that new game is and beat them at their new game or maybe figure out a way to work together and make it better for everybody. But I don't know. And, I, and I, the one thing I don't want to see, because it's it's kind of weird that you're seeing people on the right who are cheering this, like, you know, Tucker Carlson is is in favor of this, and you're seeing people on the left, like Alexandria Ostasio-Cortez, who are in favor of these people doing this, but they have a different end game because there yeah. are going to be the people who are going to say, this is why we can't have capitalism, this is why we can't have Wall Street, and that should not be no, the end no. game. That should not we be the end game. Socialism. Good point, man. The the, the far left was going to say, this is not a reason why we need to have socialism. Everybody needs to make horse shit. No, no, this this will pass. It's going to, and it has helped. That's the thing. It has helped some people. It's not like it's destroyed everybody. The people that were investing in it, who knows? Some of them may have needed that money. Maybe they, there was something in well, their yeah, lives the before they needed thing is, I don't know who it was, but there was some guy on MSNBC who said, um, you know, this. he actually cursed on air. He was like, this is bullshit. This is people who received a check from the government, and then they're throwing in the stock bucks. market. 600 bucks? What? It's yeah. like and then, a quarter for my grandpa is, when I was a kid. What are you going to do with that quarter, son? Yeah, and I saw people on Twitter saying, and it's true, like, isn't this what you guys said? Like, don't waste that money. Invest in yes. something. That's exactly what they did. But again, and now you know whose side MSNBC is on. Again, guys, who who is manipulating you? Who is it the media and the government that manipulates everything? So you have to think a certain way. If, if you haven't figured it out by now, and it just kills me because oh, <laughs> you should have figured it out back even when the incident happened to us. It should at least open your eyes. But if you haven't figured it out by now, you're dumber than a bag of hammers. I tell you, and you better start recognizing that they are not, the government is not on our side. They're on their side and they always have been right and left. 
and and the good ones that are there, the good politicians that used to be there, they're not there anymore because they can't affect change. So they just leave. I mean, I, I don't blame them, man. And and even when we get veterans, you always say, hey, let's get veterans in there to help. You fall in the game. It's it's you, you get in the romanticism of D.C. and and you realize uh, you, you realize you can't put a price on your integrity. And it's hard to not do that. I wish you couldn't, but people get bought off every day over there and it's happening again, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, and we got to get over it, but I I think a lot of it has to do with, I always say um, political action committees and lobbyists, because a lot of people in there do go in there with intentions. They do. Let's say they're getting money from someone on wall street. They're getting money from any lobbyist group from big pharma they're going to say, hey, you know, vote this way on this bill or we're not going to give you money. And then they have to rationalize, well, if if I don't get money from them, I might not get reelected yeah. and I can't make the change that I want to make. Um, and then if you stick by principle, you might not be able to get reelected. re-elected. The, whole, the whole game is uh, there's there's definitely I, I think until you get money entirely out of politics, which I don't know if we'll ever see. That's when things would change, meaning yeah. no more lobbyist money, no more big union money. If we got rid of all of that. That would change things. That would shake things up. Um, hey, hey, yeah. I, I, one example, I, 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 I want to make it real quick because I know we got to get Clint yeah. on. But three or four years ago, I was asked to run for Congress of my district, that the Don Bacon district that he right now was three or four. I think it was, hey, you know, you should run. It would run because this is when Bacon wasn't going to decide if he was going to run. And they said, I'm not. Well, okay, I'll, 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 I'll talk about it. And I sat down with a with a, a rep of the Coke, remember the Coke brothers? They, yeah, oh gosh, I don't know what this, and I remember him talking like, what are your feelings? You know, seeing what my, what do you think about gun control? What do you, you know, they got to go down that checklist. What do you think about um, uh, capitalism? What do you think about it? And it's, to, it's to see to get money from the Coke brothers. And he said, what do you think about um, abortion? And I said, well, I said, I know the Bible says, you know, if you read it, it says that you thou shall not kill, but I'm a man. I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her body. I, I said, it's not my, decision to judge that person they will be judged when they were when they pass but i know what my wife went through carrying those children i know that i know how i don't have a clue what that is like so i said i'm not going to say that yes i'm i'm for anti-abortion yeah I, but i know what i believe i know what i feel but i am not going to tell a woman what to do with her body because i'm not a woman i don't know what that feeling is and he just point blank he looked at me and goes you just lost two million dollars it's like, what do you mean? Because you just lost donation money. I said, so is that what it's about? Donation money and not what I believe? I said, this isn't for me. And I kind of I walked out. And that's, again, seeing the curtain pulled back again, even more. Wizard of Oz, I'm seeing Toto pull that curtain back. It left me again with another lasting impression of what politics are. And that's why, that's why I hate it. That's why we don't, that's why we don't get into the left, right? Oh, they're both jacked. No, and, and if we do, I try to do it in a... In you know, introspective, yeah. rational way. Definitely don't get angry about it. I mean, you know, there's no reason to. No reason to. Um, yeah. I do like the fact that before we have to get to Quinn and Emerson, you have to bring up like the most controversial <laughs> topic of all time. Well, it, because and you it, just pissed it, off half the audience. Well, you know you did. And then, well, that's <laughs> thing. It's a, it's a, but it's a personal experience. And that's one thing that we try to do too, is that it's an experience. If I've had a personal experience, I'm going to tell you, and this is what happened. You you view it how you want. It's it's honest. It's raw. It's, that's how it is. It's not like I saw this on a TV show and this is what they did and this is what it was on with Netflix. It was no. This happened to me. This is the experience. Maybe it was an individual experience and it's not a big experience over the whole group. But 
this was my experience and take it as it may. And I, I got told I'm, I'm not partisan. I'm, I'm not registered on either side. And we've gone over that before, but we're, we'll get it. That's a, let's do another podcast where we've actually hit on that before. Cause we got to get to Clint. And yeah, um, we, we do. So I just texted him to tell him we're wrapping up um, our intro, but before we get to Clint, another company that has been with us since pretty much day one, guys, if you're a shooter out there, Guy, you know, we always say guys, gender neutral. Yeah, yeah, that is a gender neutral I mean, term. Guys is a yeah, gender if, neutral term. Look at it in the encyclopedia of Tonto and Ian's Battleline podcast that we'll be <laughs> having out soon, publishing soon. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're a shooter, um, you are going to love Fort Scott Munitions. They really are the best out there. Multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. And it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring they receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. If you go to any of the Battleline Tactical Courses, like the one coming up February 20th through the 21st. Correct. Yep. We've got Paisley, some slots Florida. still. We have, we have, we have, we have 10 now, 10. So yeah. So sign up. Yeah, they'll be shooting with Fort Scott munitions. Um, that's what you guys. Actually, I, I was mistaken. We can shoot paper there with Fort Scott munitions. We can't shoot the steel. So you're good okay. guys. So if, if you're holding up because you got a frangible, frangible ammunition, I was incorrect. We are okay with standard ammunition and especially Fort Scott. We just can't shoot steel, which I generally don't shoot a lot of steel anyway because it's too damn easy. You want to get you want to get your groups tired. You got to shoot paper. Get those dots, not torture. No steel. That's too easy. Yeah. So check them out, though, guys. FortScottMunitions.com. The link is in the description. Uh, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the Battle Line Podcast. So joining us for the first time on Battle Line Podcast, Clint Emerson, who it's crazy, man. I was thinking about it, who I've probably known for like eight years or something now, pretty much since the first 100 Deadly Skills. Right, yeah. You know, and now this thing has become a book series. You do a calendar, yeah. you've had activity books, and, and a TV show. So like this thing is just catching on like crazy, and the latest of which is 100 Deadly Skills Combat Edition, which just came out last week. And the difference between this is that you could scan the codes in the book and get video demonstrations of the deadly skills. So this thing is just, I've seen how big it's grown in all these years, and as, as well as Violent Nomad, your Quine, your uh, clothing line and EDC uh, line. You're just doing big things, and I'm I'm glad to see it, man. Because I, you were just a quality guy, man. Every time I've gotten the chance to hang out with you, I can say Clint is top notch. And, and I'm not ignoring you, dude. I'm I'm checking. I haven't checked out your IG page in a while, so I'm checking out what's new on there. Yeah. I, I'm doing my due diligence during the show. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I know how it goes, man. I appreciate it. Any like, view, share. I uh, yeah, I always say thanks. But um, 
Yeah, thank you, Ian. It's been it's good seeing you. It's been a while. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on here. And uh, yes, Combat Edition literally came out I think two days ago, and uh, it was probably the best project so far because of the guys that are involved. Instead of me providing skills, I went to a bunch of experts in the industry and let- guys that we've had on. I, I should throw out there: Rich Graham, at McNamara, and and I, I. By the way, I didn't say this in the intro to give your. Um, background, which we'll get into, but I mean, Quint was SEAL, Navy SEAL in SEAL Team Six, and uh, contracting work as well, right? There was a little, yeah, there was a short stint of that stuff um, for the agencies doing uh, Wazoo stuff for them, but I didn't really. I kind of did it. I was thinking, oh, I'll maintain my clearances, and then I was like, I, I don't care about my clearances, and I just moved on in my own direction and told that world to take a hike. <laughs> when, when you start, and that's what I'm looking at every, cause I, I know on my old account, we follow each other and then I kind of went on hiatus and then picked it back up again last year. But I, I know prior, you know, with, with the stuff you were doing, how did it, cause you're one of the early guys that transitioned from doing operations, being an operator into I don't want to say that I hate saying influencer. I hate saying public figure. I feel like a douchebag when I call myself that. I, I just don't like saying it. But you moved into that world of 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 and almost branding and merchandising. You're one from what I remember, you're one of the original guys that did that. Was it something that you plan on doing, or was it just like with me? It just kind of happens, and you just and you go with it because hey, all right, let's let's well, let's if we're going to get into it, let's do it 110 percent and do it the best that we can, and get the best product out there. I, I guess I just I want to know. Guys, do ask me how do I get into that? I said, well, I didn't get into it. It just kind of found me. I was going to say it got into me, but that sounded a little weird. I didn't want to say it that way. So, uh, what was your experience going there? Because again, you you were one of the original guys where it really did happen that way, where you just Holy crap! I'm 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 a, I'm out here preaching and showing guys what to do. Yeah, I um, I, same. I have the pretty much same answer. I don't think I was one of the originals um, because I've still got a lot of guys that I watch where I go, oh, okay, that that. I mean, I'm constant. I think we're all kind of watching each other and seeing what good tricks and tips we can pick yeah, up. Of course, whether it's like how to use social media to your benefit or. You know, or even when you get into um, merchandising and how other guys are pushing all their brands. Um, but when I was transitioning and it was time to retire, uh, I had a buddy of mine, um, an older guy. His name is Keith Melton. And he hit me up and said, hey, let's do a book together. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, and he kind of talked me into it, and we and that's where a hundred deli skills manifested from. And it was supposed to be me and him both doing it, but he ended up getting uh, a back injury, and so it left. He was like, "Hey, you're on your own." I was like, "Wait a minute, what? I don't know how to." Write <laughs> Meanwhile, he had already written a bunch. He'd already written like forty of them, and um, he's he's an older guy. Um, we're talking Vietnam sure. Naval Academy guy, right? So was, was he a plank owner? Was he one of the original? No, he, he wasn't a SEAL. Okay. Um, he's just an expert in espionage and spying. I met him when I was at the NSA. Um, great guy, wealth of knowledge. Anyway, he was going to guide me down this path of putting a book together when I finally agreed to it. Um, and then I ended up doing it all on my own. And then ever since, I've, I kind of really started enjoying just l- the project of it all, you know, where I went and got an illustrator and then you put together the narratives and then you start figuring out all the skills that you're going to put in there that you think the average person would benefit from. And, 
And, and like Ian said, it just kind of grew ahead on it. And then people were like, Hey, when are you, you know, cause in the book, I don't refer, Hey, Navy SEALs do this. I can't stand that stuff. So I, I put, you know, the violent nomad does this, the violent nomad does that. And, uh, the violent nomad really is a person who is self-reliant, self-rescue orientated and uses violence for good, not evil. And so in the nomad part means, Hey, you're on your own. You can do whatever you need to do in order to survive, and it's a lifestyle. So putting it all together, people are like, hey, where, is there any Violent Nomad t-shirts? And I'm like, no, but I guess I'll make one. I have a Violent Nomad shirt. I have the G.I. Joe one. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of guys, as Chris has said, with clothing lines. Like, yours always have really unique, just cool-looking designs. I That's why I bought it with my own money. I was like, this is – and plus, I like supporting clients. So I, wear, I still wear that all the time. Um, no, for sure, man. And I, I want to get more into it because I, you went a totally different route than a lot of guys. You did not write a memoir. You didn't write about your time in the SEALs. You're – if people are into comic books and they're into survival, that's what you put together. You kind of put those two worlds together – and made a comic book with deadly skills. Um, was that I because, get, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I want to get into your actual background because I think you have a super interesting background with growing up in Saudi Arabia, and yeah. you, you've been very vocal that you hate the government there, hating the culture over there, yeah. made you say, I want to get into the military and, and become an operator. Um, yes. So, I mean, the short story to that is when you grow up in, like, really the most extreme uh, a radical Islamic state, um, you know, as a kid, there were benefits to it. You know, you got really good at troublemaking cause you're messing with, you know, the locals and, uh, trying to see what you can get away with, which was completely dumb in retrospect, because knowing that the, the repercussions that would have come down on my dad, if I got caught, because the man is always responsible for everything in the home. So if I would have gotten in trouble or got caught doing half the crap I did, my dad would have paid the ultimate consequence. So, um, but during that time, you know, you just, you see how they treat people, you see how they treat women. Um, you know, there were times when, you know, even me and my buddies, and you're talking nine, 10, 11, 12 year old kids getting jumped by grown men just because we were Westerners. So it certainly left a bad taste in my mouth and, you know, grew up saying the whole, like, I'm going to come back and kill these people someday, you know, is, but you grow up and then you realize, okay, you know, maturity kicks in and you go, that's their culture. That's how they do things. That's what they know. That's what they do. It's okay. As long as it doesn't influence me, my culture, my world, you know, as long as we in America stay the way we are and we're not influenced by that, then everything's fine. And, um, and I think, you know, obviously we do a good job of that, but, you grow up and you realize that, you know, there's differences all over the planet and uh, you don't have to necessarily accept them. You just got to know that, you know, yeah. the differences between the twos and the pros and cons and make an educated, educate, make, make an educated decision based on, you know, that. But that was what I experienced. So, of course, it left that passion to come back someday. And I always tell people, imagine a kid growing up in Iraq or Afghanistan these days or any countries where, tanks with American flags have been rolling on them. What passion they're given at that moment in time when a building is knocked down, blown up, their dad dies, their uncle dies. It's kind of like the, re it's, it's creating a bunch of little clints, but the yeah. difference is they don't have any opportunity, right? I could have gone and been a, we can be lawyers, we can be doctors, we can do whatever we want in this country, 
over there though, if they're a bunch of little clents, you know, it's kind of scary because now you're creating your future enemies and uh, it's not like they can just go easily become, get a, get educations or become a doctor or become an attorney or anything like that. Um, they sometimes they have no choice, but to go, you know, the evil route. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Every time we go try to do something for good, you know, there's always a consequence of that eight-year-old kid who's influenced by your actions in a negative manner that grows up hating you and saying to themselves, I just want to kill Americans when I grow up. And so that's really the ultimate lesson learned um, growing up over there, growing up and doing what I did. And then you reflect on, hmm. <laughs> are, are we are we seeding our you know sowing our own seed? Are we are we is that what we're doing okay. when, when we go there and we? I, I agree with you. I, I honestly do. You, you you go over there and we're, we're fighting. And I, I I ten years, eleven years I spent over and I never worked Saudi. Never did. I just always one. It was one of the stands or 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 North Africa. But it, it was it, especially in the early in two thousand three thousand four when we first started contracting. We had a lot of loose cannons and. And you, you know, all it would take was, is one stray bullet or I say stray, um, some of the guys and, and, or, you know, something to happen to a father or a grandfather or, uh, and all of a sudden you've martyred that person. And guess what? We've made our, our future enemies for the next 20 some years is where do we stop? And that's why I, I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed working and I know you did too, but there are points where do we really need to be, why are we trying to change people? How do we are? And you said it perfectly. Sometimes you just can't. Yeah. Countries, you, you can't just do what we need to do and then get the hell out and 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 or just don't go in at all. If, if that's the case, I think sometimes we have to. And, but I agree with you, man. I, I think we made a lot of our future enemies back 20 years ago because we stayed and we killed people. Sometimes it was necessary. Sometimes it was collateral damage. But in the end, it, it doesn't matter to the, to the people on the ground, especially the kids that are seeing those and seeing the people that are being what they're thinking are being martyred. And now we're bringing another generation of, of fighters and you're right. That's all they do. And they're good at it. That's what they right. do. They fight, they fight. There's no other option and they get paid. And if the opium's good, they get paid a lot. So, right. Yeah. And that takes care of the families and that's their number one objective, just like all of us. <clears throat> agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I I say, I, I, dilemma, but I also think that's where it shows how important special operations is because, you know, special operations done correctly uh, is going to, it's not going to influence, you know, a whole bunch of kids in one run. Now, conventional forces yeah. is where we lose, right? Because now, when I, like I said, you, you got a tank and you got buildings, you know, getting blown up or whatever. Uh, that's, that's where, you know, if you pull back on that, you increase special operations, and then you figure out how to win the hearts and minds of kids, knowing that they're going to grow up and you want them to like us, not hate us. Then you've just solved most of our problems, but I don't know if anybody's you know figured that out yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how if it would be. I, it could you. Yeah. I, if, if I saw a SWAT team come and demo my house, as, as or if my sixteen year old did or my five year old, I'm sure it doesn't matter if they were U.S. SWAT or not. They're going to be they're going to have a view on cops for the rest of their lives, a pissed off view because of, right. I, I, you know, it's it's just it's human nature. So. Well, I don't know if there is a way. I, I really don't. I, I, special ops are extremely important because you're right. They don't do the, the you're not coming down and mowing down a carpet and bombing cities and creating. But to win the hearts and minds, I, I don't think I don't know if that's possible. I, I think you do a few, especially if you implement them as part of our our our, uh, our ops where you use locals as interpreters. And you actually I, I had a great team in Kandahar. A lot of those guys were 
I, I still would say are friends. Um, but that wasn't the norm. It was, it wasn't, it, they, they helped us. They fought alongside us. We ate with them, even though I still have a hard time eating with my hands and sitting in those circles, eating all, <laughs> eating the hummus. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I never caught the COVID either doing that. I'm just putting that out there. I never eating with my, not washing anything, but, um, but it, that's not the norm. So I don't know, bro. But your, your books and your things. And I watch you and I do, I do. I watch your training. I try to learn from watching guys. Instagram's great to watch guys do certain things like, okay, he's doing it that way. Maybe I'll try it that way. But you know, that mindset you have is how we should all have a mindset. And I hope people overseas are looking at that mindset as well. Learning, Hey, be violent. We need to be violent, but don't go overboard and become a bully and become a bully because that's not how it's done. And then you're just making future enemies. So you, you just was a bully to this kid here. Well, guess what? His 10 friends are now your enemy. So did you really succeed doing anything besides feeding your ego a little bit? Yeah. And it, it comes across. I think it comes across in your stuff when I, when I look at it. Yeah. And I, I do. It, it, it's it's and it's good for me to look at it and get the influence of of somebody that's been doing a lot longer than me. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it. It's the the goal is ensuring that, hey, be deadly in spirit, but follow the laws of the land and be kind to the people next to you. And if someone, you know, if deadly comes around the corner, then, of course, you got to switch from spirit to uh, reality in a split second and do what's right in order to win, live another day. But um, well said. Yeah. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. So yeah, thank you. All right, hey, show's yeah. done. All right, we got it. We got it. Let's get this to wrap. I was I was going to say the thing with your book is um so I recently got to uh, narrate Jim West's book, our friend who we've had on uh, former Good Green Bray, and he has the same mindset as you in that his book is deadly skills. His book is that if you are in a situation where you need to kill someone, there is not a fair fight. So he talks about eye gouging. He talks about all different types of things that you're not going to see in your typical uh, karate course. I'm wondering with your book, post seals, post contracting, anything like that, putting out the book, you're a guy who blends in really well. I mean, I've seen you like with a sport coat on, it's serious. And I would think you're like a stockbroker. So I don't know. I would think you like work on Wall Street. I wouldn't know you were a seal. You're not someone who goes out looking for trouble. So I'm wondering, have you ever had to use any of those skills other than while you're served, while you've been serving somewhere. Well, other than service, um, I mean, in book one, where you talk about, you know, maybe getting into vehicles and stuff like that, like I literally just helped my neighbor the other day uh, get into their vehicle. And I just happened to have some of my old little tools sitting around. And, uh, you know, and as cars get more and more advanced, they become more and more difficult to get into. So, um, but maybe we're just getting older, dude, and our, or we're just breaking <laughs> down. We're just not working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, some of that stuff does come in handy from time to time. And that's why I put those skills in like book one, two, and now three is that I feel like they're evergreen, right? They're going to, those are the skills that you potentially will need, you know, for the long haul. And none of them rely on any technology that could change tomorrow. Um, it's all kind of old school MacGyver you know, Martha Stewart type stuff that anyone can do. You know, you can, you can read these books sitting on your toilet and go straight from the toilet to the kitchen and put these things together. Like, wash, but you got to wash your hands first. That's still a rule. Well, after you go from the toilet to the kitchen. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, talking about that and, and 
do you think because I'm glad you haven't had to use a lot of skills. I don't think a lot of guys do ever really want to have to use a lot of the skills. It's it's a last case scenario, but the reason being is because also you haven't been, you don't make yourself a hard target. You haven't you don't present yourself as a hard target. So those skills that you learn give that give that if and correct me if I'm wrong, give you that self confidence that somebody that's out there that's looking to start something will see you as no, I, this guy he's holding himself different. I'm not going to mess with him. I'm going to mess with this guy. This guy's head down as a cell phone and his pants down to his ankles. And, and, and he looks like an easier target, but th- that's part of it to me with, it's not just the skills itself. It's, it gives you that confidence, that outward appearance that, Hey, don't just leave me alone. Don't mess with me. No, I, I wonder if you have that same, same, uh, if, if you agree with that or not. Oh yeah. 100%. I think people, um, most people don't realize that we actually, our communication is 60% body language, right? Um, and you can tell whether you're, whether you're re- purposely reading body language or not, you're going to get a feeling of whether or not somebody is trained or untrained, right? So that's number one. Um, so your projection and demeanor management means a lot. So I tell people all the time on the personal awareness side, look in the mirror before you walk out the door, right? And make sure that you're not wearing anything offensive or something that's, you know, could target you. Don't do it. You know, it is be, be nondescript. <laughs> and for the audience, yeah, because we just have the audio. Clint is pointing to the American flag. American flag and then the violent nomad on his shirt. But hey, but, but that's. You know, yeah, I always say it. I know I've said it to you before, Clint. The American flag tattoo is one of the best looking tattoos I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's he so did, well done. He did a good job. But, um, yeah, do as I say, don't do as I do, really. <laughs> um, but so body language is important. I think you're dead on. But even more important that you pointed out, and if you, like, all the guys that are in combat edition, I asked them all the same question, which, you know, you know the answer already. Are you going out actively picking fights? No. Why? And it's really, it's usually going to be the big mouth, untrained, belligerent idiot who – is going to go and just pick on people, right? A trained person doesn't do that because they know that you never underestimate the person that you're standing toe to toe with. So it's like we avoid it at all costs because you've naturally been trained through your career, especially when you go through the new guy process, there's always somebody smarter, faster, bigger, stronger, kick your ass. And so it's humbling, right? We're always... So all these guys, super humble. They all said the same thing. You always try to de-escalate first. Hey, 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 I don't want any trouble. Um, if you can get off the X, then you should by, you know, finding that exit route and taking it as quickly as possible. Um, and then if all else fails, then by all means, defend yourself and meet violence with violence so that you can move on with your life. Right. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I- and, and that's perfectly said. There's, you learn the force escalation continuum when you're in, and then you, as you're a civilian, it, it turns into that de-escalation. But to me, it's the same thing. Yeah. Hey, what do we What do we do? Do we need to bring it down? Let's so we can get off the X. But you know, when you become that that civilian out there, I, you you do realize and you see it. And hanging around little gangsters when I was growing up, it doesn't take much for a ten year old that has a gun to to get the drop on you. And that's all it takes. So why try to get into that? situation be have the personal awareness the visual acuity the situational awareness to stay out of those situations 
and you'd be much, much better off. You don't want to put yourself in danger. But if you are, go train your Clint and learn how to kick somebody's ass. But that's only if you got to turn that light switch on. Right. Stay, yeah. Keep it off. Keep it. So, no, well said. I, and that is the same with every person that I've been luckily and blessed to get trained by that that has taught me or that I've I've had a, a believe a mentorship with or they've mentored me is that it's always the same thing. Don't go looking for this shit. Don't go starting this stuff. Yeah. It doesn't do anybody any good. And and most of the time guys don't go looking for fights like yourself or anybody else because you have the confidence that you don't you, there's no insecurity. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I'm good. Right. Happier life. No, I well said. Well said. I, I know I just reiterated what you said in a longer fashion. That's just what I do. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> um, but my question is, and I, I'm a big comic book guy. So when I saw the book and it was like a graphic novel, I like, I wonder if he, so I wonder, it's just a personal question. Did you grow up? I, I grew up on comic books. I mean, I wish I would have kept all of them. Is that what came into it? Like, I'm going to make this like a graphic novel because the pictures, they just grab you. And they're more enjoyable to read than just something on black and white piece of paper. And if yeah. that's the route you went because of that. And and do you think it's had a, a real, I think it has, but your opinion has it had a effect on sales, people getting it people more interested in it because you've got, you've got pictures of comic book pictures, which especially Rangers and seals. I know and Marines, especially we, we like looking at those comic book pictures, man. Um, <laughs> or was that a decision somebody else made? Uh, no, that was that was definitely a big part of the branding and um, and yes. So going back, I growing up with DC, Marvel, comics, no doubt about it. You know, um, at the height when in the eighties, you know, you had these things all over the place. Uh, yeah, I did. And growing up in Saudi, you know, I got comic books, but it would take three months to get it because they would sit at customs. And then those guys would take a black Sharpie and mark out anything they didn't like on every single page <laughs> before you got it, right? Wow. And I didn't so, know that. But it's wow. um, anyway, yes. I mean, I, I, I always enjoyed uh, DC, Marvel, superheroes, villains, all that stuff. So having that concept put into anything I did, I just enjoyed the creativity behind it. If I could draw that well, I definitely would have done it myself. But um I went out and got, you know, a great, a great illustrator for the first two books and then bumped it up a notch with getting Tom Mandrake for combat edition. Oh, wow. Tom is a DC Marvel guy. He's done Superman versus Batman. He's the guy who created Swamp Thing. Yep. I mean, so he's, he's like, like a big name in the comic world. When you go to Comic Con, people are standing in line to get his autograph, whatever he drew, but, um, an incredible artist, good dude, and to have him part of uh, Combat Edition, I mean, just took it to the next level. Because when you look at those illustrations, and I've got books coming your way, I just we this oh nice yeah we scheduled this right when the book came. I don't even I, I have like three or four copies, and so I've got a big. Box. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am. Yeah, I've got a big box coming. I'll send you guys some, but um, you can do giveaways or whatever you want to do. I'll send you. Nice. Wow, thanks, man. I appreciate um, that. But. Yeah, when you look, he he drew Dom Rosso, Pat McNamara. He drew them exactly the way they look. And then each of my good guys are up against a famous bad guy. So you've got Hitler, yeah, Assad in Syria. <laughs> you've got Kim Jong in North Korea. All of them getting their asses kicked. That's so cool. All of these great, you know, badasses. So um, 
And when you read it, it makes the book even that much more entertaining because it's it's people you recognize. You know, you got you got Epstein having knives thrown at him. You know, (laughs) you can't beat that. You know, (laughs) that's that's tremendous. Now, um, now I I I I do. I want people to to go. I just I just wish bookstores and things were 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 open where they just could go peruse some of that stuff and the Barnes and Noble near me is so, I mean hopefully people our, see it on the shelves there two of ours shut down man they're gone they, they, really? they're on business I mean they're yeah I, it's, it's, I did want to say one thing that I found interesting and I think I mentioned it on a prior podcast we were we were talking about you at some point you and Chris beyond just what you were saying about de-escalating and all that have a pretty similar style to your training in that I know Chris's um tactical courses are very cardio heavy and in your book, you have that run, fight, run thing where it's, you know, you want to get people out of breath and then engage in a fight and get them out of more, get them out of breath even more so that they're as prepared as possible. And, that, and both I, you guys have that same philosophy. And, and honestly, I, I didn't know if that would transition in the civilian world. So I didn't know. I, I looked what you did. I'll be honest. I said, I wonder if let's, well, let's look at Clinton. If he's pushing people, will they respond to it or are they not wanting to come to get their asses smoked? I mean, that work, the, the, the cardio stuff, when you're going through vetting courses or special, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, I don't know if we should go to that route with civilians. Are they going to want to do it? And I found, you know, walking at yours, honestly, the ones that are serious, they dig it. And they want to feel that way because I think some of them do feel they've missed out on a chance to go into Rangers or SEALs or so forth. So it's just their way for at least for a week or two days to get pushed to the level and they feel like, you know, a football player at the end of a game that's won and just spent like, man, I completed something. So yeah, I, 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 I got mine from validating from you. This is why I started to ratchet up a little bit. So what did you find out at the beginning though, when you first started it, did you think they were going to have a response to it with civilians or did you think, man, I, I may be going on a limb here. Are these people really going to pay mo- pay me money for me to have them sweating their balls off for, for 48 hours? You know? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, first I don't, I don't do any training courses. I've always been asked and, uh, but I don't, I haven't done that yet. I was going to set something up starting this year, but COVID kind of got in the way. Um, but what I have always pushed, whether it's in the books or on social is the, you know, what Ian referred to as the violent nomad workout. And it's, it's, it's push, pull, rotate, sprint. And on the rotation, most of the time I, I tell people do some kind of strikes, whether it's kicks or punches or, uh, a hanging heavy bag or a down heavy bag. Um, but make sure that's part of your rotational type, you know, workout um, or part of the rotation portion of your workout. And so you can pick any push exercise, any pull exercise, rotation, and then sprint. And so you're going to do those five times for max. And then you're just going to keep going. No yeah. break until you're done. Um, and the point being is, is if you've ever been in any kind of conflict, you know that, where there's one, there's many, and you always have to think that way. And so also, if you're going up in a multi-threat environment, then you know that you have to be a Spartan in mindset, knowing that, okay, if there's only 300 Spartans and they're going up against thousands, they create a funnel so that it becomes more of a one-on-one fight. And as long as you can always maintain the one-on-one, then you're never really having to fight everybody at the time. And so the intent is, is if you've got the heart and the lungs to be able to stack your stack your bad guys, always making sure there's a bad guy between me and the next one, then it's always going to be a one-on-one fight. 
And then the goal is to eliminate that threat as soon as possible so that you can move on to the next and then the next and the next. But even though you've got that strategy in your mind and you might read about it in the book, if you don't have the heart and the lungs, then you'll never be able to actually pull it off because you'll be exhausted after the first fight. Now you got three more left. Um, where this also becomes more realistically important is if it's a house fire, natural disaster, anything that you could potentially face out there, you, you gotta be able to have the strength to get yourself out of that situation. And you gotta have the lungs in order to get yourself away from from the situation. Um, And people kind of forget about that piece is, you know, it takes both heart lungs to, and, and that, and that strength. And so I feel like that violent nomad workout, at least at a minimum, forces them to do a push, a pull, big, big, you know, these are big movements, right? Because under stress, your fine motor skills sometimes don't work. And so you want the big grabs, the big pushes, you know, the big pulls. Um, and that will work under stress when adrenaline's flowing. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the down and dirty. I mean, that's, you know, that's where looking at reading the run, fight, run, my, my take of it when I was reading it, it was, well, okay, stress, you got to have stress, but it can't be replicated by anything other than getting your heart rate up unless somebody's shooting at you, which you can't do that. And I mean, I guess you could at a range, but it'd be illegal, um, <laughs> so, but running, getting the heart rates up, getting, and then transitioning and, and the gross motor we're moving. And then at the end, getting them towards the end. And I did, I, I did, I pulled some of this. Uh, the mentality, reading reading some of your stuff and then some of the stuff I'd done at a range battalion and then with GRS as an instructor as well, is that at the end, doing a fine motor skill, having them do a concealed draw and trying to hit a six inch plate after running 200 meters and doing stress fires all the way or, or rundowns all the way down. Now, all right, you have 10 seconds, hit all these plates and eat. it's hard for me. <laughs> and I'm not a great shooter. I'm, I'm OK. I'm a good teacher. I'm not I do as I like I said, do as I tell you don't do as I do or you'll miss um, but how difficult it is to to get hit those plates when the heart rate's going crazy and I'm like yeah. now think of it that you just did one you did a 200 meter run think as if you had to do this all night or all day you have to have that endurance up and I said that blue box of death will never replicate the little pro shot, pro, pro shot timer will never replicate the endurance or the heart rate that you have to do with the up and down breathing just to focus on your front sights that you get by just getting smoked. And, you know, that's why we throw combatives in there as well, because that is huge. Hitting a heavy bag, you do two, three minute rounds. I think that's easy. It's not. You're, you're, no. you're smoked. Three months. Three minutes is forever. Yeah. 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 So, so I, and that's where it's just looking at it going, well, I, if, if, He's teaching it. And I saw other instructors out there doing some rundowns every once in a while as well. I said, if they're doing, I think we can do it. Let's put it in there and we'll see how it goes. And I, it, it honestly, it's been successful and I'm glad because, and they're also more fun for me to teach because I, I like getting out there and, and working with them as well. And it helps me. You always have to sharpen that, sharpen that knife and it helps me as well. So uh, yeah, kudos, kudos to you for giving me some confidence when I read it, like, well, fuck. Okay. Well, Okay, he's doing it. Let's let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. If not, I can go on the podcast without Clint on and just say it's Clint's fault. That's Clint's fault. I screwed. I was just learning, watching his Instagram pages. But no, it's well said, and I, I completely agree with you. And I know just from my own personal experiences that with that heart rate going crazy, it, it, it's you have to focus on those fine motor skills because they they're not easy, and then it becomes habitual fine motor skills, and it's just habit forming movements, and then. Then you're then you're off and running and you're just being a robot the rest of the night and 
eating on Snickers bars and drinking water until the cavalry comes. Yeah. And, no, I, I, no, I admire it. No, well, I, I appreciate it. Now, I, very well said. And I think people need to still read that and adhere to that and train that way as you're, as you're, as you're having your books and as you train. I mean, do, do what you do because it's going to help you in the long run. So, yeah, yeah. I think uh, everybody gets a little something and it doesn't take up much, too much time in your day to pull off a workout like that, you know? Yeah, it's outstanding. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, we, we spoke about it really early on, the, um, 100 Deadly Skills TV show that's going to have guys we've had on the show like Pat McNamara, um, like Rich Graham, and I'm sure another, um, you know, series of people that, that I'm probably familiar with. I, from the trailer, it looks fucking awesome, man. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah. How did, they get, how did you get into that? Right? What did uh, happen and how, how is it going so far? Just give us an update. Yeah. So once again, it was unintentional. When I, when I went around the country in May, I took a camera guy with me and the goal was to one collect research for the book, get the, get five to 10 skills from each of the guys that I went to visit. And then uh, during that, I knew, okay, I'm going to film everything so that I have that information to use so that there's a video, you know, link in the book, you know, so that everyone can learn from these experts. Well, once we got back, we had seven terabytes Right. Of video. Uh, So I was like, huh, where are we going to put this into a show? So I started uh, talking to the guys on the on the post edit side, seeing if they thought that there was enough there. They said, yeah. And I said, all right. Well, then initially I reached out to one of my buddies that works at a studio in L.A. And they kind of sat on it. They were like, yeah, I think we can do this, but we'd like to reshoot everything with our own content. I was like, no, not doing that again. You know, because there's no way these 16 guys would agree to another sit down like that, you know, and kind of like fake it, you know, the second time. Um, yeah, you can never recreate that. I've seen it happen. Yeah. And, and, I, and the footage was awesome. I had a Netflix kid with me and he, he had a ton of experience on feature films. And he was very like, um, he was kind of like a, you know, the Swiss Army knife of, of, of a Hollywood set. The guy knew audio. He knew video. He knew lighting. He knew angles. I mean, he did a dozen jobs, you know, for me every day that we stopped at a new location. So you couldn't ask for better. And he was a drone pilot, you know, so he was really well-rounded. And so we took all the footage and I went to Warrior Poet Society, John Lovell. At that point, he was just standing up his own streaming network. And he's he's a former ranger, great guy, has this huge following on YouTube. He's taken that following and said, you know what? The algorithms are shutting down guns and God and all these things on YouTube. So I'm going to go stand up my own streaming network. And the Warrior Poet Society network is downloadable from Amazon, any of your major streamers. You just download it like a channel, like ESPN or Fox News or CNN, whatever your flavor is. You can download Warrior Poet the same way. And then that's where the show is. So we ended up... um, giving them uh, 13 episodes, uh, each episode's roughly 30 minutes, and they turned out to be really good. It's one of the top shows on his network, um, and it's it's definitely worth checking out because the interview portion with these guys is the most, for me, was the most valuable piece. Yeah, learning how to throw a jab from a professional boxer or learning how to throw a throwing star from the first American Ninja that's cool. But hearing their story and their thought process as it relates to the, that warrior path or how they got to where they're at, you know, like Pat, Pat's interview 
I mean, without a doubt, if people knew when he was a kid that he was raised by his neighbor who happened to be like a hell's angel and taught him how to fight from the get-go. Yeah, I could imagine. That's a great story. Not to mention, you know, like how many – that's not going to happen anymore. You can't have kids growing up like that anymore. (laughs) And then he went on on to be, you know, a a sergeant major in the Army and and worked obviously to the tier one level and is just an, an accomplished, great guy. But to hear the background piece was the coolest part, and that's uh, that's certainly what you get out of that out of the show. On top of learning some pretty cool skills from you know these these great great you know fighters. Well, you know who you got to get on there besides Chris, of course, no, yeah, great guest is, and I think Chris would agree with me on this one. And I think you've met him, Jim West. Yeah, I need to get Jim on there. All right. Yeah, yeah. Jim would be awesome on there, man, because his interview, <laughs> his interview would be amazing in the fact that he's a guy who grew up getting into bar fights every single night, and then his son is violently murdered. Yeah. yeah. And Jim basically like went into hiding, and, and he stopped talking to people, shut himself off from the outside world. And in more recent years, due to friends of ours like Jack Murphy, who kind of reconnected with him, he's gotten back into kind of this world of writing books and. And training people, and, and he wants to train fighters again. I mean, I know he trained a UFC fighter. He's trained boxers before. And the fact is also, if you saw Jim on the street, he's a guy in his mid-60s with, like, a little bit of a beer gut going on, but he will fucking kill you. I mean, he is he is as badass as it gets. Yeah, I'll, I'll put him on there and see if he's interested. Along with Oh, he would do it. He would definitely Tonto. do it. Tonto. Hey, if you, hey, this wasn't a plug for blaming. <laughs> I, I am a reluctant public figure. As much as I, I see myself enjoying all this stuff, yeah, it, it damn near killed me <laughs> three years ago. It just, no, I'm not, wasn't made for it. I had to figure but it I out. I think you just doing a, a deadly skill. I, I think it's totally your wheelhouse. <laughs> and that's what it is, man. It's, not, it's not a Fox News appearance. Oh, no, that's different. No more news. Ever, ever. Uh, but that's, to me, that's a good segue into, because your story. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, we, we've got some time left and, and we do get into faith. I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I said, people know I'm probably the most potty mouth. Christian you'll ever meet, but I am, uh, and faith and how faith helped me get through situations. And I know people and there's veterans out there who listen to this and people in the military that listen to this that are going through hard times. But what obstacles did you go through to reach your goal just to become a SEAL? But then also when you became, after you got out and you got into this public figure world, did you run into any of those obstacles just adjusting to that sort of lifestyle? And did faith take any part in that as well as helping you get through? And has, has it continued in your life at all? Um, well, I mean, to get, to start from the beginning, yeah, uh, transitioning, transitioning out, I think is, it can be as big of an obstacle as you make it. Um, I feel like, you know, it's, you always hear about having a five-year plan. I think really important for guys in the military to think that way. That's what I did. If you're planning on doing 20 years plus like me, then you better at the 15 year mark, start going, all right, what am I doing? When I get out. And even though that original plan, what it is today is totally different, but at least it gave me a path that um, of tasks and goals so that when the transition came, it would come a little easier. Um, you know, I think everyone's still going to have moments when they, um, you know, I, I definitely have had mine. Where I'm like, fuck all this stuff. You know? <laughs> like, I don't, you know, it, it's, well, it's probably every other day, actually. <laughs> I'm like, whether it's this pub, the public side of it, which I, I'm like you, I don't I don't care much for it, but it's a necessary evil. It's necessary evil. You have to. And, uh, you know, 
the self-promotion side, I can't stand. That's when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go around and promote other guys instead of promoting myself. It's a lot easier. No, that's um, right. It is. So, and that's kind of what I've, you know, obviously that's what I've been doing now, especially for the past year, putting this project together. But, um, you know, I think every guy just, they need to have a plan, regardless of whether they think that plan's going to be their long haul, because, you know, we all evolve. You have to be willing to let your plan evolve. You know, if the times are, you know, telling you to go one way, even though you don't want to, sometimes you got to just adapt to it and uh, roll with it, um, especially, you know, if you're just trying to live each day and put food on the table. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I was one of those guys that sat in the squadron space, seeing some talking team guy on Fox News going, that motherfucker, right? And, <laughs> and then I, I, you know, and then look, I get out and I have become exactly what I used to badmouth. And um, I'm, but, I, I'm, I'm following you, but, but yeah. we're, we're like, I'm like your shadow, right? The mirror <laughs> fucking, it was like, God, I'm become exactly yeah. what I always said was the complete douchebag. And I'm become that person. It yeah. was, it, yeah, no, I keep going. I love that. It. It's, it's actually, this is helpful. This is, this is helping me. But I think what the common denominator is with this lifestyle. And then, you know, in this growing up in the special operations world is that, that most of the competition in the special operations world is with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You got guys around (laughs) you, but at the end of the day, you carry all the weight, all that success, all that failure ultimately resides on you. And if there's one place where that is constantly reminded is in the spec ops world, because if it's your fault, it's your fault. There's no way you can avoid it. If you're the one that screwed that whole thing up, everyone around you is going to let you know. And so, when you're out here, it's like, okay, I'm putting these tasks on myself and now I need each and every one of them to be as successful as possible because failure is not an option. And so what happens is if it's writing or business or entrepreneurship in any way, the funny part about it is you're going to get attention, whether it's media, yeah. people. And so that attention immediately turns in to the one thing you were motherfucking when you were sitting in the water space, right? <laughs> but it ultimately goes back to just our level of like desire just to be successful at every little thing we do. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's like, you know, once again, it's another double edged sword of like, yeah, one side is like, you're doing great things for your own personal tasks, your own personal ventures. But on the other side, you know, you've got peers and, you know, judge and grade you based on that as well. And with social media, it's even easier for your, I say peers, but your trolls to, to, to say things. And it's, it's, it's hard to pull yourself away from that. I, I I had to learn how to, what am I? Stop looking at those stupid comments. Stop looking at that stuff. You're always going to have somebody that doesn't like you out there. It's just part of it. But being successful, it comes with being successful, at least being successful, happy in your life. And that's one thing with me. Success doesn't always mean money. It just was I wasn't happy. Now I'm happy again. So I'm successful again. And sometimes people don't like that. But you also you don't want to poo poo it and get in a fight over social media because that brings you that does bring you yourself down you, as an individual. And it, it you have to rise above it. I had to learn the hard way how to rise above it. To, no, to you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're spot on, though. It does. It, it's it's yin and yang. It comes together and you have to either accept it or you just don't do it. And, right. and but yeah, very well said. I, I admire that. Um, was there any obstacle 
whether in or out that, that took you, you know, a step back where you really had to fight through it? And what did you do to fight through it, bro? Um, on my way out, um, yeah, it was a big obstacle. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting story. And I'll just give you the, the cliff notes version is, yeah, we got time, man. I want, cause I want to hear it. So. <laughs> on my way out, uh, well, towards the end of my career, a book called, you know, no easy day came out Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was the first book kind of laying out the bin Laden operation. Um, and for those of us that were still inside the fence line at the time, um, you know, it impacted us. They, they couldn't really do so much to the author. They were trying to, um, by saying, Hey, there's classified information in this book. And then they just ran them through the ringer. Meanwhile, while that was going on, they were, you know, pulling tridents and boarding a whole bunch of us that, um, had anything extracurricular going on. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, there was about 20 of us that, uh, got pulled aside um, and, or 21, I was, I was 20, Mr. 21 probably. And they wanted to just destroy all of us and set an example to the community of, Hey, you're not going to get out and do any of that kind of stuff. Even though it was all over the news, even though DC was throwing everything in their mother out there, showing drone footage, throwing classified. Yeah. There's the hypocrisy of how politicians leverage information. <laughs> And don't get in trouble. And then you got the guys that get out and have information and they get in trouble. So, yes. Are, are you are you able to say what you were working on at the time? Well, I, I had just basically put in the paperwork to start my crisis management company called Escape the Wolf. Okay. Escape the Wolf is all about going to corporations and giving them, uh, sure. you know, good best practices as it relates to the big five, natural disaster, man-made events, medical, you know, cyber and safe travel abroad. Um, but I had done, I was putting in my retirement paperwork. I would put in my, uh, I was the only guy though, that put in this one form that basically says, uh, respectfully request permission for outside sources of income. And in the military, you have to have permission to collect outside forms of income because you hold a clearance. And so they just want to make sure you're not getting influenced. So they just make you list. Okay. What is it? Well, keep in mind. All I was doing was building a business. I wasn't making money yet. But I went ahead and filled out that form upon recommendation of the only army guy in our fence line said, Clint, you know, it's probably a good idea. You fill out the paperwork because the Navy, we suck at paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we'll have you on for another talk. I know. I know. I got you. Especially the SEAL team. Like, we're horrible at paperwork. But the Army, man, it's all about the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tells me, hey, you should probably put in the paperwork. I'm like, all right. So I go to the JAG's office. I fill out some form. And I put it in. Well, that was prior to this book coming out. And then all of a sudden, I'm called called on the carpet. And and they were going to just destroy all of us. You're talking, you know. Take the ride in, boot you. There goes your retirement. All everything you've done was going to be gone like that, um, because it was just a very knee-jerk emotional reaction to what boils down to be a book that had a whole bunch of information in it that was already out in the public. But they just didn't like the fact that it was a guy on the operation telling the story. You know, that was all it came down to. So, uh, but 
it was three months of uh, investigations. I ended up still having to do a Trident board, which means you sit in front of a panel of guys and they decide whether or not you get to keep your Trident. Remember, this is after almost 20 years of, you know, time. And I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me? Um, But in the end, because I filled out that one piece of paper that I had forgotten about, right? (laughs) I'm sitting here getting bored and going, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. I started a company. I didn't ask for permission. And then one day, about more than halfway through this nightmare, um, they finally asked, like, or no, God, how did you know, the, 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 the uh, investigator had this three ring binder and had all this stuff on Escape the Wolf and this and that. And then, and then by luck, I had remembered, like, wait a minute, and there, you know, I got permission to do this, right? And they're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, my whole command signed off on, I got all five guys, and it's, I believe that piece of paper sitting in the JAG's office. And they're like, oh, let me, Okay, well, I guess I'll we'll check on that. And then, sure enough, they go, "Thank God that piece of paper was still there," because my dumbass didn't have a copy of it. <laughs> so, you know, it was. Uh, they get the piece of paper, like, oh. but they went ahead and you know crucified the other twenty guys. Man, that's, that's wow. So the uh, the other twenty guys, like Trident's pulled all that. I didn't know. The guys had variations. Um, it was very subjective, but so some guys got tridents pulled and had to sweep the quarter deck for a year straight. Um, and those that were doing that were told, Hey, once you get done with your year, we'll give you your trident back. They got to the one year mark. And some of them were told, nah, we're not giving you your trident back. Get out of here. Man. It was, it was, uh, yeah. And you're talking to these are guys like some of them had just had rental properties and they just didn't ask permission wow. to rent from properties they owned. Now others had other things going on, but bottom line was, man, it was uh, it was probably like one of the most stressful nightmares yeah. during. And, and wasn't if I remember correctly, because I think I heard this from like mutual guys that we know, w- wasn't the Navy allowing guys to be a part of stuff like SOCOM Navy SEALs, which was totally public figure and right? Oh yeah, wasn't that that was being allowed? There was there was the whole that that movie uh, Metal Metal. <clears throat> Is that a was it? Yeah, uh, it was the where the the yeah I know you're talking about. Um, What's the name of that movie? Active Valor. Active Valor is all active duty guys yeah. sanctioned yeah. by Naval Special Warfare. Yeah. Um, SOCOM the game, all the guys in that game, Rob Roy and all those dudes are all um, were all the motivators and recruiters for Naval Special Warfare at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean they they it's that that's why they they really can't get away with punishing any one person for what they do because they've already set the example a long time ago. You know, and hell, the first Navy SEAL movie, Navy with Charlie, the Charlie Sheen, yeah, supported by the Navy. I mean, yeah. so you got guys going Hollywood. It's like, huh, I wonder why. <laughs> well, well, if, if as long as it puts them in the in a good light, as long as it puts you know, that's what the even with the agency with our stuff. Yeah, there were how many CIA books were there out there given. I need to know information. And ours actually went through the clearance process. There's nothing classified in there, but it didn't say good things about the agency yeah. or it didn't say bad things, but it said what happened. And of course that thing took forever and it was, we were hammered. Uh, it, granted we did it the right army guy doing it the right way with a shitload of paperwork <laughs> and getting a clearance lawyer. But it is, it's, it's whatever, if it puts the, puts DOD or whoever in a good light, yeah, go have at it. And you know, give up all the need to know information you need to if it puts you in a bad light or puts them in a bad light or doesn't say great things about them, 
but there's nothing that's classified in there. No, we're going to hammer you for it because you, you because and I, and that's that is you're right. It's that double standard. And I I knew there was a little bit of that. I heard a little bit of that. Um, and I do know I do know Wymy Wymy from he's a good he's he's actually a friend from the active valor. I'm going to talk to him a little about what happened with his stuff. But you're right, Ron. And and there's nothing classified in the book. Nothing. I actually read the book. Actually, I read it in Benghazi. That's where I first read it. And I'm like, man, there's nothing classified in here. Why are they getting all upset about this book? There's no, and no easy day. And I, but I'm, I'm glad you got through it. And yeah, I'm glad you signed that one piece of paper. That they got you, got you out of the hurt locker, man. Thought, right? One little piece of paper. Gets yeah. You in trouble. So how, how did, how did you get through it at the time? I mean, just what, what encouraged you to keep going it was uh i mean to put it in, put it in perspective like the day that our we were put on this like list our pictures were put at all the checkpoints we weren't even allowed on base Holy crap. our credentials were all i had to meet somebody in a kroger parking lot and hand over all my creds to get into the into work uh and i was basically like on this uh you know, pseudo house arrest for, um, you know, like a month or more without anybody telling me what's going on because I didn't know any, about any of this. Right. I was just told I, operations called me one day and said, don't come into work. I don't know what you did, but your picture is at every checkpoint and they will arrest you when you come in. I was like, what? <laughs> and then imagine getting that phone call and then, er- and then everything goes silent from then on out for about a month. Wow. Great. Like wow. that was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't end up with like 15 ulcers and, in in, you know, I'm lucky my hair still brown. That's such horseshit. For yeah, that, man. So much service and, and to do that to you. And it is a, the, 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 just the other stuff, the ulcers or weaker person kill themselves. I mean, do they not, they don't even realize it. And not that anybody did. I'm not saying they did. I don't, I don't know the other guys, but I'm saying that's, do they not see that that's a possibility that could happen? Because, at that time, twenty years, that's your life. And yeah. And all of a sudden I'm a criminal and I've been doing mine, dude. Yeah. You, yeah. you start spinning this web of like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I I mean, I don't even understand what I do. You're calling people like, what did I do? I don't even know what I did. Nobody would tell me. And it turns out I didn't do a damn thing. And that's the part that was most frustrating about it. But you know, I think the you know, the piece that you guys were asking is like, what did you do to kind of you how do you get through stuff? Like one was just, you know, you just kinda one kind of believe in yourself. If you didn't do anything wrong, then you didn't do anything wrong. Number two, um, I call people who, you know, um, you know, are on your side and support you. So at that moment in time, the former director of the FBI, um, Louis free, uh, the friend. And so I call up Louie and, you know, not only is he one of, this country's number one attorneys now and has this incredible law firm that just drops the hammer on people. Um, he, but he was also a source of French. Like he would just give that advice. Like, well, I was director, you know, we had all these accidental discharges, negligent discharges. And I can tell you that's worse than anything that if you don't, if you didn't do, you know, he would just kind of level me out. Like you didn't do anything. So you're probably going to be fine. But he also, I also knew too, he was like, but if you want me to call 60 minutes, I'll get you on there right now. <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't want to do media. I'm still active duty and yeah. cause me more hell than, yeah. but yeah, it was just nice having those allies. And I would say, you know, that's, that's key. You got to have allies 
for the good times and especially the bad. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you got through it. And I said, I, I know <laughs> you definitely, definitely learn, learn from it. And in that, you know, that book that no easy day is that was our example when we, you know, because it was a year. I, I, I deployed again. I, I left after Libya. I went to Yemen for a while. And when we finally decided to do it, we used that as an example of, okay, this is how we should not do it. What do we need to do correctly? So DOD and that will come after us like they did to the author there that, that were there. Sure. And, he's, and he's a good dude. I, from what I, I know of him, I know you probably know him better than I do. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, from a tremendous, tremendous operator in his, in his own right. And just a great guy, just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, bro. I, that's, you know, I didn't know that. That's a great story. Cause I, I did no idea. And that, oh, that's yeah. hell. Well, I didn't. And I've known you for a while. I've never heard that. There's a saying, you know, if you're, uh, <laughs> you sit inside a fence line full of sharks long enough, you're going to get bit. You know? yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it's nothing against any one person. It's just sometimes bottom line, what happens is, you know, your leaders, they always get pressure from somebody above. And that's ultimately what happened is there was a ton of pressure from the joint chiefs onto our CEO. And he had an incredibly emotional reaction to it all. Um, because as we all know, if you're an 06 and you're looking at getting your star, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want anything to prevent that. And so he was doing what he thought would, uh, you know, one, protect the command from future incidences, but also protect himself so that he could, uh, you know, make that rank. Make that rank. It's, yeah. it's there. Like I, we said before you came on the show, it actually works out well. I said, once you get in D.C. or you get in those levels and that, you know, I'd say it, officers become politicians at a certain level. Yeah. You, you can you there is a price on integrity, that price you couldn't put on integrity. Once you hit that level, I guess it's the 06 level for all you 06s out there. You could hate me for fine. I said it. Don't get mad at Clint. Yeah. I guess at that 06 level, that's where you can put price your a price on integrity. Uh, and again, it, I know it goes with different people. I've had great 06s that were fantastic leaders and that bit the bullet for us. But um, but there is, and it sucks because it just it it makes everything else shit, and it puts guys like yourself that had a, had a great career. She puts you under stress that shouldn't happen, and guys are still, I'm sure, still going through it at this time for other things that are going on out there because of, you know, just just because of the nature of the world today and the nature of of DC today. But yeah, bro, that's that's a great story, and I'm glad you. Like I said I use you as an example, and and you're successful now. So obviously, it 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 stayed with you a bit, but you got rid of it. You got over that obstacle, and here you are successful again. So yeah, yeah, it it, it definitely bugged the crap out of me for years. I mean, anytime I think about it too long, it gets to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like that yeah. thing of betrayal. You're just like motherfucker, brother. I, I that's what I think. I think to to bring up one thing, we can shift gears. Yeah, please do. So bringing up the common denominator between you and I and Benghazi, that Iraqi flag, Glenn Doherty and I pulled off of a vessel coming out of the KA. Holy shit! Before the war Did you, started. So that, okay, we we got time. No, we got time. Yeah, that's right. Right there. Were, was that no? Was that were you guys doing? Because I was doing anti-piracy contracting at the time. I was it was we were first first six guys, and we knew there were teams like you guys out there doing stuff. The ships that were hijacked. Um, I think it was like two thousand nine or ten. It was right after Captain Phillips got got yeah. attacked. Oh, but yeah, this was before. Um, it was before. Yeah, tell tell us. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to know if you don't mind. We got time. So before nine eleven, 
you know, the SEAL, regular SEAL teams were just doing VBSS, which is best yeah. board search and seizure. That was our primary mission of non-compliant ships. Um, anything coming out of Iraq, we were, there was an embargo on oil and weapons and a lot of other stuff. So we were tasked to sit out at night. These things would come out all blacked out, zero lights, and they would hug the Iranian waterline. And we would have to get on board those things before they realized we were on board because then they would turn into Iranian waters knowing that that means we have to get off. We're not allowed to be in Iranian waters because it's like an act of war and it was a lot of stupid stuff. But anyway, um, so pre-9-11, you know, the deployments I did with Glenn then, we were just boarding ships all the time. It was it was like a, you know, heck, it was it was a good deal. Uh, that's fun. I, in that area? Yeah, during that, yeah, and during that same trip, we, you know, that's when the USS Cole got hit and we uh, supported it. He and I were both primary medics. And uh, um, and then, let's see, then 9-11 happens. And then, of course, uh, we go into Iraq. And so right when Iraq was kicking off, we boarded some vessels. And that's where we grabbed that that thing together. That's awesome. And then, I did. then we pushed, we took down the big go plat secured it and then we pushed up highway one you know from we hit on Nasseria, jessica lynch all that crap then we went to baghdad and then and then we ended up uh up into crete all the way in the north all in one big push you know with the marine corps and uh but yeah that was that's our little you know little link to benghazi right there Hang that on. i didn't I, that's i didn't know and glenn was yeah glenn was a tremendous medic and he was funny i think people I, when we were in Tripoli together before him and the only guy, he was the only guy on that team that would watch black dynamite with me and got the jokes would understand. It. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this is, I like this guy. He's, he's fucking hilarious. He's yeah. a good dude. But I didn't, I didn't, were you on the same team? I didn't know that. I, were you guys yeah. on the same team? We're a team three the whole time, a whole time together. Yeah. He was a cup. He was a couple of years. <clears throat> to me. I feel like everybody I know is team three. It's so many of you. Well, there is. It's pretty interesting. There's like a team, there's a SEAL team three mafia almost. And then you got, yeah. you got the dev group kind of, you got both of those that you hear about out here in the outside world. All the, all the sellouts are either from team. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> and it, I, I would, you know, I, I know we're, we're keeping you on time, but I would love to, even one more story with Glenn. Cause I know, and I know our listeners would love to hear it because yeah, uh, you know, the, the movie did was, but it, it didn't have enough Glenn in it and it needed to, cause he was, he was fucking hilarious. Um, but um, I, people get to know how good of a guy he was and, and that, you know, just that little nature of him figuring out a way him and the team over there getting to us figuring. I mean, that's, that was Glenn. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think people know him well enough as they should. So if you can give anybody, even a little, even me, a yeah. little bit of anecdote, something else that may have happened that people would like to hear about. Yeah, so it was something I always try to tell people about Glenn. That number one, he lived an entire life before he even joined the Navy. Um, this is a kid that grew up in a boxing gym. His dad was the boxing commissioner in Boston. And so he grew up in a boxing gym. Um, then when it was time to go, <clears throat> he left home and and hitchhiked, you know, the, the entire United yeah. States following the Grateful Dead. 
Probably smoked a lot of pot. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> uh, ends up, Which is not what you think of when you think Navy SEAL yeah. following the Grateful Dead with a bunch of hippies. <laughs> there are so many hippies in SOCOM. I don't people oh, realize yeah. that. You got tons of hippies. He was definitely not even a closet hippie. He was straight up like. <laughs> he was freaking Spicoli, dude. Yeah. I don't know if we call him a hippie. He was Spicoli. He was <laughs> but, just Spicoli. But super intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a total ski bum. You know, he'd been on the front of uh, every ski magazine before he joined the Navy. He was uh, in Utah there in Park City in that area. He, you know, he was an instructor. He was, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that guy had done everything. He'd been up to Alaska. He worked on these crazy, dangerous fishing boats. He ended up around a campfire in L.A. on the beach. And there were some team guys there. They're kind of all talking. They're like, man, you should be a team guy. He's like, okay. And he like, join the name. Um, so he went through Buds. He's like one of the older guys, right? Yeah. And obviously got through Buds, came to the teams. Heck, in our second deployment, he had like every reconstructive surgery you can think of. I think he had both knees redone, I think a, yeah. a shoulder I mean, we, we had one guy in our platoon that was an artist and he drew each and every one of us. And, and, and Glenn was literally like RoboCop, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, just a, uh, and, and, and probably one of the best storytellers out there. Like he could tell stories, he could talk the talk. I always tell people all the time, he can tell you the velocity of every bullet round out there, but at the same time, talk about cheese and wine as if grew up in France. He's a super smart, credible athlete. Like he was always, he was one of those guys. You're just like, I fucking hate you. You're always, you're, <laughs> you're just nice. You you're like, you suck. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's Glenn in a nutshell, man. He was, he was, he was good to go. I, I just, yeah, I wish it would have come across better, better there. I bet again, what, what can you do? I, I think they, they, they were very respectful of us as far as the movie went, but I watched like, man, they had some little snippets in there where he was like, yeah, Syrian goo. I mean, that's Glenn, the little snippets of the funny stuff. Yeah. I was like, man, he, he, he was even funnier than that. Yeah. And people, people, and, but he, you're right. He was brilliant. He was, he was, and that's why he was a medic. I mean, you, you can't be an idiot to be a Delta. It's it's not possible. Right. Yeah. So Delta is a whole other world. Well, that's, that's good to hear, man. And, and I appreciate you telling me that story as well. Cause it, it brings good memories back. I can't watch the movie very well anymore. It kind of pisses me off. Not the movie itself, but just, brings back yeah i bet harder harder now but i i, I like to hear stories like that too because uh, it makes me smile it makes it again worth it and i do miss it but but man that's so cool man i didn't know that that yeah, you guys awesome. even knew each other did so you went from seal team three then to six right i went i went to the nsa first okay. and I worked for them for several years and i was recruited out of the nsa down to the command okay Awesome. Very cool, man. I mean, that's a great way to end it because this this audience I know reveres Glenn Doherty, and that was great just hearing that story. So check out everything Quint is up to. I mean, we we discussed a lot of it here on the show, but 100 Deadly Skills Combat Edition Get out it. now. Um, check out the TV series, violentnomad.com, at 100 Deadly Skills and at Official Violent Nomad, both on Instagram this has been a total pleasure, man. And, and it's been a great interview. I mean, I've, like I said, I've known you for a while and we spoke about a bunch of stuff that I never knew about until now. So I think the yeah. audience. Thank you. And thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for that for me, brother. I appreciate it. Oh that. yeah, man. It's good. It's great hanging out with you. Ian, thanks for having me. Tonto, great meeting you. Thanks for me having me. too, brother. Of course. Good. You need yeah, anything for me. 
I'll put you on the board there. On, uh, <laughs> if if bro, you, if yeah. you, and my I wouldn't be butthurt if I didn't hear from you about it either. I'm good. I just I I, I admire you, man, and and yeah. I I I do. I, I as much as an asshole, people sometimes may think I am. I'm not. I I really do look at guys before me and try to try to emulate. I mean, that's what honestly, that's what Rangers are. We never did anything on our own. We just copied everybody else. What's the best of everybody else? Let's take it. Let's take it. And I'm I'm still doing the same thing. That's why I'm. You're, you're, I do want people to follow your Instagram page because there's little snippets that you have on there that that people can learn from. If you don't want to read a whole book, get on his Instagram page and check it out, and then they're going to buy your book. And it's it's cartoons. So uh, at least the, the first, and what's better than that? How to beat people's ass in print. Marine proof. Marine. <laughs> yes, of course, Marines. We know you can't read. That's why he did it that way. Oh, God, God bless you, brother. Right. Thanks for your service, too. Thanks so much, man. Dude, he was excellent, and I didn't expect to get into everything that we got into. Had no idea about the Glenn Doherty stuff. I, I, you know what? And I should. This might be my favorite interview we've done. I, I should be. know that, too. That's the dang, that's the dang thing. Is that a. Uh, and I may have heard that at one time and just I, I, I get old and I'm getting senile. I space it. But no, Clint, really, it was when, I, when I'm doing the, 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 the training, um, I do. I, I look at his pay and like, OK, what is he doing? You know, and can civilians handle it? Is he pushing this out there? And if he's pushing it out there to me, like the run, the run, fight, run stuff, um, then I'm like, well, obviously there is a market for it. And you got to look, you got to look at guys like my, I look at him. I look at Rudy Reyes is another one on name drop there, but another, that's been doing the public. Yeah, we got to get him on. Yeah, we, we, we love Rudy. Get the, get them on the guys that have been public figures or been in the, in longer than I have. And cause I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, I'm going to walk and I'm going to look at the guys that, that first of all, I respect, but second of all, that have really been in the spotlight per se for things they've done. And even more so now, cause he went through the same shit, if not worse than what we had to go through with the book, with the scrutiny from the government and the threats and losing security. I lost my security clearance. All right, I'm yeah, sorry. I, let me let me reiterate. I got it suspended. My lawyer always gets pissed off. Chris, you didn't lose your security clearance. You're gonna get in trouble. Okay, they are permanently dis- suspended. I will never have them reinstated. Okay, that's what happened. With my security clearance is by us telling the truth of what took place, even though we didn't give up anything classified in the book or the movie. So. That even more so makes me want to want you know check and make sure double check when I'm doing stuff. Look at his page and see what he's doing because he's been through it and even worse. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to ask him because we got into so much other stuff and maybe when we do a part two. But I wonder if that inspired him to do a book the way that he did because he is not the guy who went the memoir route. You, there's very little about Clint as a person out there. His book is it's what it's called. It's 100 Deadly Skills. It's not this is Clint Emerson's life. It's yeah, it's skills. That's that's all that it is. Well, I, and my opinion is with the the other books, and I'm glad he, he talked about the other books as well he's done, and then also bringing other guys into the mix. So that's what I do with the Patriots Creed. I don't want to talk about yeah. myself. I brought other guys in. Yeah, the, which will be a good transition to something I wanted to okay, say. Okay, okay. But, you know, with that, guys that have gone through things like that or have gone in special operations, especially the old school guys, they have so they have a plethora, as El Jefe would say, they have a plethora of information that they would like to pass out. It's not, hey, look what I did. That's that's a good that is a good instructor. That's a good leader. It's like, don't look what I did. Here's what I would like you to learn from either mistakes or successes that I've had. And this is where I've 
put this on the, in a book so you can learn from them, not from learning from my biography. It's like, all right, this is what I've been taught. This I'm going to pass it down the line. And it's just continually passed down the line, just like Jim West stuff. It's just passed down the line. What did he learn? Okay, what did he learn? What did he learn? All right, let's give it to you. Now you can pass it down the line. And that's that's great. That means history of SOCOM military combatives will never be tainted no matter how much social media. In fact, it just reinforces it with social media or fake news or whatever is guys are continually telling their stories or pushing things down the line that they've learned. And it's right from the horse's mouth. It's what he's doing. And that to me, that just shows he's a good leader. And, and I, yeah. I, obviously he is. So I'll transition. Okay. To what transition, transition. I'll, Let's do I'll, it. I'll, I'll whip this out <laughs> in the Patriots creed, which you're just seeing until we do video. Um, you wrote about Scott Gearin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought the story was interesting, but um, Scott. when we had him on the show, and then when I actually started talking to him off air, and I heard about the UFO story, I was like, "This guy is amazing because he, he has not only one but two what you would call paranormal experiences." And so, for those who don't know, my main job right now, and I'm going to come on full time with them in, in the coming months, is over at Narrative.fm, um, who is going to work with this podcast in in the very near future as well. Um, and I write for one of their shows called Obscurities, which Debbie Rashawn is now the voice of, which I'll throw out there as a side note. It's pretty cool that um, during this whole quarantine or COVID situation, whatever you want to say, uh, really giving opportunities to other people that I like. You know, I, I love the idea that I could say, hey, let's get someone else in the mix here. And I get someone else, a, a, you know, side hustle and, and narrating stuff because Debbie is an awesome voice. And that's why she's the voice of this show. Um, that's something I learned early on that, you know, you have a show with like two guys, throw a woman in the mix, throw, ha- have, have a female doing the intro. That's why she's the one doing the intro. And she's, and intro and and she's awesome. Sounds great. Yeah, she's Thank great. You. So anyway, when I heard that story, I said, I got to uh, write a piece for obscurities for this because obscurities is totally the type of show that would cover a story like Scott Gearin's story. Um, and the source, I mean, really, Chris is one of the co-writers I would say on the piece because my source material was the podcast. And your book and Scott Gearin's website. I wrote it all out. I interviewed Scott again, wrote the whole story. Debbie read it. So if you want to check out a podcast after this, go look up Obscurities. Yeah. And the latest episode right now is the Scott Gearin episode. So if you want to learn a little bit more about him than we did, um, but it's short. It's just like a 15-minute piece, I think. Um, and it's different. It's a storytelling piece. It's not an uh, interview. There's an interview thrown in there. But it's it's scripted. It's storytelling. So if you guys are into that, um, definitely check out Obscurities with Scott Gearin. And, and thanks to Chris for putting that story in his book, because I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Well, and um, that's amazing. Story just in the story. Who dies and comes back to life and sees the and light. And sees a UFO. And then sees it. And, and yeah. captures it. Yeah. You know? I, I'm still waiting on the book. He's, he's sending it to me, but I want to check that out. Um, but we should also plug on here. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. Next episode. We are going to have on um, Ben Morgan, and Ben Morgan's been working his ass off on getting Tonto Vodka out on the market in Colorado. And there's there's several places in Colorado now where you could buy Tonto Vodka. It's that's that's coming talk from Clinton saying the public figure thing and opportunities arise. I never thought this opportunity came up. Dalton Distillery from Georgia said, "Hey, you guys, Tonto, you want to do alcohol and." I said, sure. I said, well, let's do whiskey. And I said, no, no, there's enough Brovet whiskeys out there. We, let's go a different route. I don't want to do whiskey. 
Uh, and I said, well, let's, let's do vodka. I, I like to drink it. When I do drink, I don't drink a ton anymore because I, I can't. <laughs> I, I just, it, it doesn't go well. My sister, I overdrank too much younger. But I do like my vodka and tonic or cranberry juice and vodka every once in a while. And, and it, it, it just came to fruition. Again, it's, it's just I, I love you. I don't expect anything to happen. I just, it just sometimes happens and you take advantage of the situation and, or you take advantage of the opportunity, I should say. And I did. And, and luckily for us, Colorado, there are, I didn't know this, but there's open and closed states. Colorado is an open state. So what that means is that you can go right to a distributor. You don't have to go through the state government or a board or somebody that wants to take your money to tax liquor to get it in the state. And they, they, they gave it a chance and it, done well it's only been out a week what 10 maybe not even that long and uh it's done very well it's popping up in more stores and it's good and and the bottle you know the background on the bottle just how family oriented we are the background the bottle itself the actual logo was made by ben's daughter she's 14 oh no she drew and um you know the jumbo with the jumbo symbol that's comes from the movie of course that's i would have thought it was refreshing no she she made it and and um you know there's two stars in the flag that 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 takes over the jumbo or the or the shaka sign it's the flag and um i know i'm doing all this you guys can see it but you can't because we'll we'll, we'll have video but but the um when they move but when they move but there's two blacked out stars for ronan bub to pay out of respect uh, but then on the interior of the bottle, once you drink it from the inside, it's the Ranger because Ben is a first Ranger Battalion guy, so a lot of respect from seven, for the Seventy Fifth Ranger Regiment. It's a it's an interior. You see the Ranger DUI Distinguished Unit Insignia, and then on the back of the bottle is a. When I hear DUI, I think I know driving in. Distinguished Unit Insignia. Don't DUI. No drinking and driving. Uh, all right, but and then on the back of the bottle, there'll always be a story every time we do a new run of the vodka of a positive story of, of a veteran that overcame something and with some form of adversity, because I found too much when we used to drink for our fallen brothers, it was drinking and you know, it was kind of depressing. Yeah. You're honoring the guys that, that, that went before you, but it was always, Hey, pour your drink out. Uh, cheers to the ones that have fallen before us. It's like, man, this is depressing. I want to keep drinking. So it was, let's do it different. Let's put something positive. So we're drinking to overcoming or drinking, hey, to success that, that, that you can overcome adversity. And honestly, the first one is Ben on the back because he overcame alcoholism growing up. And it's actually in the Patriots Creed as well. His story's in there. So it was like, well, what is more perfect? So he's, this is interesting. So he's putting out a vodka that he really can't. I really, no, he, he, he can't. He, he's, 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 he was, but in high school, we were not buddies. I was the athlete, you know, clean cut for the most part. I, I got away with some shit, but he was, no, he was a heathen. He was a alcohol drinking, boozing. That's gotta be weird though, yeah. that he's going to bars, marketing this. It, but, but that's in Ben is discipline. He is the most disciplined individual. I know he disciplines himself. He can have a drink, but it, it, he doesn't, it doesn't devolve now into where he, Used to not be able to. Yeah, he'll have, but he doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't suit him. He doesn't. It doesn't make him like. It doesn't make him feel good. So, but he knows what it is, and he knows being a veteran. He knows what what is popular out there. At least I, more so than I do, because he still has people within the industry as far as the liquor industries. But um, yeah, it, it was to me. It was like, yeah, let's let's do it. This sounds like a new opportunity. It's a new venture. Is it successful or not? I don't know. Um, it's difficult in the liquor world to get it into state. So, guys, if you want it in your state, you got to go to your liquor stores and bars and have them 
order it from the distributors because if it's a close state, like I, I, I'll put it out there right now, like Alabama, we talked to an Alabama board and it was a liquor board, their ABC board. And it was, Hey, if you don't have a broker, we don't want to listen to you. And they're the ones that set up the conversation. It's like, well, why are we here? What do we need a broker for? Well, you, you should probably pay somebody so, to come talk to us. Like, whoa, hold on a second. You want us to pay money to come talk to you, even though you don't have to really do anything to put it out on the shelves. I said, no. So it's, it, Finding the little nuances, it's a little hanky um, with some of the states that that you have to grease the wheels. That That's, again, putting your price on integrity that right now I'm not willing to do. So if it's an open state, hey, it's, it's doing well. It's selling. So please, yeah, Tana Vodka, check it out. And if you don't like it, hey, you don't like it. Don't drink it. Go back to drinking something else. But if you do, um, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and Ben appreciates it. And Dalton Distillery, the guy that runs it, the original, and I'll, I'll hurry up here. Um, Ray, Ray, it's a veteran owned distillery. Um, Ray was, uh, Ray was, um, <clears throat> Ray Butler, who was the original starter of Dalton distillery passed away last week. Um, but he was a Vietnam veteran and he was the original moonshiner. And this recipe is from his father's moonshining days. And Ray used to drive his father's vehicle when he was 12 years old from the cops going through the moonshiner routes. And with that kind of story, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Heck yeah, I want to be part of this distillery. First of all, it's veteran owned, but that is the coolest story ever. And it's the same moonshine that they, I should say moonshine now. It's the same vodka <laughs> vodka um, recipe they've been doing for years. So to me, it's win-win. It's veteran owned and, and it's, it's patriotic, which I think we need more of that nowadays. And it's a positive spin on it's part of spin with alcohol and a story on the back and it represents America, but it also has some 75th Ranger lineage in there. So guys, yeah, request it in your States and find a distributor and we'll get it in there for you. And it's ready to go. That's cool, man. I think I want one just for the bottle. I, I don't really even drink that much, but I want the, the bottle. bottle is I cool. Have, you know what I, I like just sentimental on display. Cause I still have somewhere in one of these boxes. I have an absolute vodka, uh, filled and and the story behind it is just you know I've said before on the show when you guys hear the outro it's Mark Slaughter never given up um, and I got to become friends with Mark and I saw them backstage at Mohegan Sun and uh, they they really do it big for them backstage there and, and hook them up with all different refreshments and food and all that and uh, Dana Strum the bassist handed me the absolute vodka and he's like just put this in your pocket man yeah, head out awesome. and I'm like I don't even really drink and he's like yeah okay you know so. I just have it for that memory. That, it's just a cool, it's a cool memory. It's cool. Collecting like an alcohol bottle, uh, dude. I'll send you one. We'll get you one anyway. I don't oh, need to drink. Oh, no, I'll, I'll I, get you. I hope you don't feel bad. If I, well, you know what? My dad, my dad will totally. Dude, try. you know what? Or, or let me know how good it is too. If, or, or, or try, it's, but it, it's, he'll give, me, he'll give me an honest review. It's vodka. It's corn and corn and sunflower seeds. That's what it's made out of. And it's vodka. Yeah, I'm sure I love it. But I, no, I'll send you a bottle. Just I, I'll, I'll, you know what you'll, and I know you'll post a hell of it on the podcast. man. so it, <laughs> it's all good. Guys, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm looking forward because the, the bottle is great. Um, yeah, man, wrapping things up here, uh, I will say as well, um, I already said when you're done with this to check out Scott Guerin, but if you're looking for new music, friend of the show, David Silvera, awesome. their album is out, Breaking in a Sequence, and the album is called Acronym, uh, which, you know, is 
because bias breaking in a sequence. So it's an acronym. So uh, acronym from breaking the sequence. If you want to go on uh, iTunes and buy it or Amazon, yeah, I bought it last night. I always say buy it. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, I bought it. I always say buy it, don't stream. So those guys could put that money back into the music. Um, check it out, or even if you do stream, see if you like it and then get it. But you you are gonna like it if you're a fan of Corn and yep. that whole vibe that he created. That I'll say it myself, man. Actually, I'll say this. Um, I'm a big fan of Eddie Trunk on Sirius XM, and someone called in yesterday. And I'll probably listen to him after I'm done with this. But uh, someone called in and was saying Eddie did a list of top five replacement members in a band. And someone called in and they were like, I want to do my top five worst replacement members. And to me, it's not that he's bad, but the guy who replaced David, the sound is never the same. David is the drummer for porn forever. As far as I'm. What's a distinct, a distinct, hard hitting sound. You can tell when it's Silvera, man. Wow. You can tell how he hits the drum and it's just that. That sound that makes you like I'm doing my face. You see my face right now. That that head banging, you know, ah, that's that beat that goes. And and you can tell with the on acronym, that's Silvera. You the drums in the background, bang, and and it's a great album. So check it out, guys. It, I, I agree. I I I honestly I I don't I don't want to offend Dave, but I compare it to the old Corn albums, the original Corn albums. That kind of rock and roll, good rock music. I honestly think the. Uh, the the singer's better on acronym. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, and, and he's a little bit more. Uh, I guess you would say radio friendly in a good way. It's you know if you're because I know there's listeners who are not into the full on screaming. You know, like Phil Abanti does, just not their thing. This is a lot more melodic. Vocal. Yeah, and it, but it's still hard, and you still got the guitar riffs in there that are outstanding. And again, when you got Dave on the drums, it's always going to be rock and roll. It's always going to be hard because he just hits those drums hard. But the rhythm is there too. The R and B is there as well, and you can tell he's got that. That's why they. That's what makes a head banging. It's not the screaming and everything. It's the boom, 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 and, and then the guitar comes in, and then you got a singer. Then you got a good singer. But he, he doesn't believe me. It, it's not like a lighter, lighter no, voice. No. It's just and, and is it Jonathan? What's I forget the corn lead singer. John. Oh, the Jonathan Jonathan Davis. Davis. No, he's a great singer. He's got that grumble that that catch grumble that he does but this guy is more of i would say like a traditionally great singer though you know yeah. jonathan davis has a really unique, unique voice, voice. This, guy, this guy really can sing yes. he's more of like a david draymond or something or when Corey taylor sings you know like a yeah like cory taylor when he actually sings and, and doesn't do the scream but he does a great scream as well cory taylor's got both um and that's the slipknot singer guys if you didn't know that so um but yeah, tremendous album, brother. I'm glad you, I didn't know we had it out, but I bought it last night on iTunes. And I listened to it all and it's all the songs. It's one of those albums you don't fast forward. You can listen to all the songs through. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm thinking we have all of um, February booked, maybe for March, we'll have him back on Good. and have on maybe one of the other guys from the band. Cause I really want to push it out there. I want to see it be a success. And he looks good on it. Go to Instagram, follow him on Instagram. He looks actually, he looks jack, even more jack now than he did when we had him on the show before. It's like, holy He bulked up, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, you're huge. So, yeah. <laughs> He's he's the man. So um yeah, the last thing I'll say, man, if you guys like the show, this is all word of mouth. So spread it out on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever social media you're on. Uh even just word of mouth, tell your friends. Uh, you know, if you really like this interview with Quinn Emerson, that's that's how we do it. We don't really spend much money on advertising or anything like that. Uh every now and again, you know, Dylan helped us out with the Jeff DePotsy episode, but it's really you guys getting the word out. And uh yeah, leave a review. 
on Apple Podcasts. But uh, I, I can't say it enough. I loved this interview. Huge thank you to Quint for, for coming on and being extremely candid. Sometimes guys come on and they're really reserved. He had some great stories. And I think a lot of guys that that one story he told, they probably would have never talked about it again. And and uh, he opened up and I, and, and I appreciate it. And that. I guarantee you, and just so Clint knows out there, he helped somebody. Somebody is going through a hard situation and just that little bit has helped them get through it. Or at least them allowed them to push another day through, to just to keep grinding and taking those steps to, to whatever outcome, positive outcome they need it to come to. Always envision that positive outcome in your head and just keep grinding. And it's what he did. I mean, man, I, I, I'd be pissed. I will hang or I'd be somebody that I'm pissed enough with what happened to me. I would be livid. And he's, you know, of course he is. It's going to stick with you, which it is. He still get it still makes him angry. Where it should rightfully should, but it didn't let it. He hasn't let it to affect his life into now where he's just a angry person that is not successful. He's just, he utilized it as a fuel to become successful and say, Hey, eat shit. You assholes. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to keep driving on. And he did. And he's amazing. And like I said, he's a, he's unbeknownst to him. He has been a mentor to me throughout this process of me with the movie and all that other crap that came with it. And I should say, it's been good. It has, it's a great experience, but it, it gave me an example of, Okay, what should I do? Him, actually, and I'll give Rudy Ray as another shout out. Rudy's another one where it's like, okay, watch these guys. How have they handled the, the the situation? So, yeah, yeah, man. We'll keep crushing those goals, and uh, really appreciate you guys checking us out every week. Keep spreading the word. Follow us at Battleline Podcast on Instagram at Battleline Pod on Twitter. Come train in Florida. Still got a couple weeks. Yes. Battleline oh, yeah. Come train in Florida. I didn't. I didn't throw that out, so I'll, I'll give the dates once again. Flor- Paisley, Florida, Full Spectrum Warrior, February 20th and February 21st. Go to tontosgearlocker.com, right under Battleline Tactical. Um, you know, do it now. We're coming up on less than a month until this, and I'm probably going to be in Florida around the same time. Yeah, I'm going to possibly yeah, checking yeah. out, leaving. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. come and shoot. I'll bring you a gun, dude. I'll, I'll bring you. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be there those exact dates because – the, those dates, I already know. We're gonna have Jaden Panesso from Siler on. I have the whole that's you know, right. month. That's right. Out, you so. you got to do the show. I got to go do that. My fun job. You got to do that fun job. So, all right, yeah. God bless. We, you. we really enjoy what we're doing. So, yeah. Hopefully, you guys like that. Awesome, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to us again, and thank you, Clint, for coming on. We're man. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. Never quit.